Hey, Lily, this is dedicated to you, the love of my life, the one that brought sunshine and joy to me. And I hope you get something out of it. I won't be here to see the joy, but I want you to always know that I love you. And regardless of what society says about black men, that's your opportunity to meet one as great as me and what others say I'm great, that this is dedicated to you and Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. You are now listening to the Lance Curve Show, the boldest spot on internet radio. We're going to keep it 100. Exactly. I love my children that, 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 that talk that 100. My, my brethren's in leadership. They they try to break the plane to 100, but they always fall short. But that's the nature of man. Yeah. Uh, the life that we live is a life of inches and foot and feet. I didn't mean to use foot, but it comes out that way in my native tongue. And the battle is on a gridiron of inches and feet. And each and every day of our lives, we try to move the ball. We try to gain understanding in moving the ball. As a child, I was born in Monroe, Louisiana, during the heydays of Jim Crow, the last days of Jim Crow, and the uh, resurgence of the civil rights movement. But it did not uh, uh, affect me in the way that it affected a lot of people. They use it as a rallying cry. And my mother had uh, a relationship with my father, which was normal in that period of time. And my mother dealt with domestic violence. Um, wrong is a two-sided sword. Today, they want to say that wrong is only a one-sided blade. But wrong is a two-sided sword, that there is an act, there's a reaction for every action. So my mother was a, a product of uh, domestic violence, and she decided with my grandfather, but now my grandfather was running from Mr. Charlie. That's what we used to call him to try to be, in that era, politically correct. We don't want to say white folks, because when you use words like that, you show your ignorance. So my grandfather would go back to our slave days and speak in code when we used to hide in a, in in a, um, what they call barns, and we used to sit with sticks and play on the ground and play with the ABCs and touch one, teach one. That's where they come from, touch one, teach one. So in that, he he was fleeing from legal prosecution for his immoral acts by society standards, but he was just quoting a phrase, using what he got to get what he wants. So he flees from the South in the Great Migration of 65, and he used what he got, which was his ill-gotten game and his ties in Florida and Louisiana and Arkansas, mm-hmm. <laughs> to develop a life for himself. He was a sharecropper and a product of sharecroppers, and my mother worked in the field, and I had an uncle who was very abusive, what we finally call a super coon today. Wow. And he would exploit <laughs> his family. No, we 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 doing a one hundred thing here. So why should we lie to ourselves? See, our, our children have been conditioned to lie. They don't want to acknowledge that because that shows fallacy. 
but they had been conditioned to lie. But when you digress and you start lying to yourself, then you become your own public enemy, number one, to yourself. So let's keep it 100. Let's be real to ourselves. Let's be true to ourselves. And that's the only thing that's going to help us. And my, I had an uncle who was a super con, uh, what they call a super coon. And that was normal for that period. And they still exist today. They just changed their methods and how they, uh, uh, work their business. So granddaddy, he, he takes flight. He meets my mother's mother in Arkansas and she was a hardworking black woman who elevated herself to be a nurse to take care of her children. But she had weakness just like our black women today. Love is a weakness. Some say it's a powerful thing, but it can be a weakness. And he only married one woman, but he had several wives. And when you say, he only married one woman, but he had several wives, and that is possible within the black community. People don't want to acknowledge it, but it is possible. That's why we have so many children born out of wedlock. <laughs> exactly. They were supposed to... <laughs> <laughs> They're supposed to be wifey, but under the covenant of Mr. Charlie, and I'm going to use that quite often in our conversation. Right. Explain that, though. Explain the phenomenon. Uh, Mr. Charlie? Or oh, that oh, it's, it's, also as far as having um, your wife and, and wifeys or whatever you want to call it, those other women. Okay, this is how it works, bro. Mm -hmm. In a man's life, he is ruled by hormones. And in that, we can't help ourselves but be promiscuous. We must be true to ourselves. We can't help ourselves. Our desire, uh, our way, common sense. I tell the young boys, don't, don't let TNA mess up your DNA. And I have a whole speech on that. Do not let TNA wow. mess up your DNA. Now, some people say, well, Mr. Warren, that's kind of, you know, you know, you know, but in actuality, if you think outside the box, it makes sense. And the wife, he, and the wife, the wife, by Mr. Charlie's standard, is legal and moral within the church in the talking point. But the wife, he, is the one that you desire and you lust after and you can't get enough of, even though she may have phallus. And phallus is a cold word for demonic spirit. Okay, because she used her TNA in such ways that it compels you to desire her like a drink, like a like a blunt, like that first hit of cocaine. You're always looking for that that, that same high, but you never achieve it, and you have to consume so much to try to get back where you're never going to get or where you're never going to go. Right, so. Wifey is the one you really love and you desire, but the wife, the legal wife, is the one that society accepts because it shows order, it shows discipline, it shows growth. But even in that discipline and that growth, she may not even be good for you. Wifey ain't even good for you. But you desire her more than wife. You understand? Gotcha. Order has never been part of our heritage. I, I, it's just I would something like, that we assimilate to. 
<clears throat> no, I was saying yeah. I would like to, to hear the feedback on that because um, whether we like it or not, that has appeared to be the reality. And this may not be in every single situation, but do you think that the horrors and 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 just slavery, what we've been through, do you think that that has a lot to do with it? Or, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm clearing my throat here. Or most men are like that. Or black men, especially in America, <clears throat> I, had to clear my, I just woke up. <laughs> but black men in America, yeah, cool. yeah, black men in America, do they have a little bit of, a little extra push with that because of what we've gone through on a psychological level dealing with slavery. Now, some will say, well, slavery is not around anymore. For those who think that that way, <clears throat> go back, read the book, <laughs> you know, go back, talk to some people because the psychological effects are still with us. But do you think that that has something to do with it? The way we came up, the way we've been scattered, the horror and the terror. Um, it was said before, and I, a friend of mine told me, and I trust his uh, reference on this, that when animals feel uh, as though they're going to die, imminent death, like really soon, they're under the threat of death. There are some animals who they won't think about romance and let's make love. No, they have a strong need to procreate because they know that they're going to die. So this is something in their system. I'm not trying to explain pr promiscuity. No, I'm not trying to explain that away. I make an excuse for it. We're analyzing that as you tell your story, but with what we've gone through, through slavery, all the way up to the modern day, still with the overseers called officers, still the poverty, um, the lack of respect, being on the bottom of the totem pole, the threat of death, um, lack, uh, many of us who are defeated. Do you think that that feeling of a, a death of sorts pushes us to, well, yeah, you get me. And let me mute the yes, mic I and do. clear my yes, throat. <laughs> Okay, you, you have to always keep in mind the shameful fact that in actuality, we were labor and breeding stock. We were delegated to animals because the European only seen us as an animal in labor and breeding stock. That's, that's the 100 real fact. Okay, that was our purpose. We were chattel. We were property. We were viewed as breeding so our behavior today is a breeding stock, a desire to survive in the hopes that the next generation that we breed into existence would uh, break the cycle in, in a sort of way. And we can't, we must learn the lessons of the past. We must not dwell upon them and use them as a excuse for our behavior today because then we admit that we have not evolved that we're still dragging our knuckles and, and we having a problem with the stone to make the fire and all like that and so and in actuality it's it's true you know you can't you can't hide this fact but we're we're in a position today that we don't necessarily have to act that way, but it's part of our, our, our heritage and our legacy. So we cannot be ashamed of it. We just have to be ashamed of the acts that we commit and who we breed with. You know, my granddaddy, and, and, and I, I admired him because as a child, 
after the great migration of 65 and we went into the great mecca of the west coast and it, and some people under the misconception that it was los angeles and that's not true it was oakland california it was a period in time from the 1960s to the late no to 1960s to the early 80s that that city alone was the shining example of progressive progressive thinking of black people. We controlled the newspapers. We controlled the police department. We controlled the fire department. We had the Black Panthers overruling those powers to be. And even though we controlled the municipality, the powers to be was Mr. Charlie, who, or what they called the dyed blue. And the dyed blue is the Klan man who takes that sheet off the line and he decides that it's inappropriate to wear that sheet, so he dyes it blue, and it becomes socially acceptable as a hero. And the, and in, this is not negativity upon the police because uh, our black people uh, misunderstand uh, the meaning of the police and their vital use to our community uh, because we all have opinions on how in the direction that black America should go in. And, and, if, and all through our conversations, I will put great emphasis on my de, uh, depictment of who I am. I, I refuse to take up the title Afro-American. Uh, I, I am disgusted by individuals who take up the title Afro-American. Uh, I, 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 I do not deal and try to work within the political section or have religious gathering with Afro-Americans. I only go to church with black Americans. I only work aggressively with black Americans. I only pray with black Americans. Um, um, you have to understand, black Americans and Afro-Americans are not racist. They're political ideologies. And that's where black people make their mistake. Uh, the upper class knows that they're political ideologies and not racist. racist. Um, the white man uses as indication a racist. I was talking to a young brother and, and he had decided to pick up the shield of advocacy. And I was very delighted by his acknowledgement that it is a it is a worthwhile cause. It is a lone it is a lonely venture and a thankless venture. And like I tell you, if it wasn't for good white clansmen who cut me down for what Afro Americans lynched me for. Uh, and, and that's a strange way to coin it because the, the Afro-American, the diehard Afro-American, he takes offense to that statement. But you have to understand, with the good comes the bad, and as there is white evil, there is black evil. We don't want to acknowledge black evil. We try to keep it as our dirty laundry. Black evil, if I black uh, evil, evilness if I can give an example, would be mm -hmm. the color purple, mm -hmm. the movie Color Purple. Mm -hmm. You want to know the color purple was our greatest success, but our greatest downfall at the same time, because Spike Lee uh, told the raw, hard truth, and it elevated us to being nominated as the first black film to cover all eight Academy Awards, but was destroyed by the NAACP because they did not like the depictment of the upper middle class. It took the shine off the upper middle class. 
it may be black upper middle class have to acknowledge that we have black evil and then as they uh, rally toward equality or they sense of equality and, and I, I mean that wholeheartedly their sense of equality the tool that they use to fuel the engine to get what they want using what they got to get what they want uh, it, it, it upset them so they had to string the movie up and as the white clan they wanted to cut it down to show yeah we're equal as you say i'm evil you evil too you know the truth hurts sure it's does. like a hot poker that, that kills into your heart and it mm-hmm. makes blood spill out the mouth that you told a lie out of and we have to accept that that raw uh reality you know i'm gonna take the condom up and i'm gonna give it to you raw and hard and afterwards i'm gonna put the dollar on the on the counter <laughs> and i'm gonna kiss you and i'm gonna go out the door mm-hmm. and that's what spike lee did at that point uh, movies like jungle fever uh do the right thing they were the raw facts you understand mm-hmm. And and it's it's hard for the upper middle class who use the lower uh, class to fuel their engine. Martin Luther King did the same thing. Most people don't know that Rosa Parks was not the first one to uh, refuse to sit on the back of the bus. The first one, and I can't recall her name right now, but I know this is a true fact in the story I'm telling you, is that she was not socially acceptable for the engine. She was a she was a form of gas that they felt was not gonna fuel that engine. Mm-hmm. So they waited for the great mother, Rosa Parks, to fuel the engine. Because she was such a acceptable, she met the stereotype of the upper middle class and that middle class um uh was trying to project the image. And just like the Bill Cosby show, it was a projection of an image to offset the projection of good times. You know, I can relate to good times better than I can relate to the Bill Cosby show. Okay. I seen the realism in good mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. and I and I seen the mythical fact within uh, uh, uh um the Cosby show. You understand? Yes. It was socially acceptable and it was easy to consume, but to them, Norman Lear's depictment of good times was negative and, and, and it hurts and yeah. we can't sell this right. even though it's true we can't sell it so let's let's swing it around you know <laughs> the is easy to consume but even the great father of a nation that's fatherless uh he was strung up by the afro-american and even though the good white clan tried to cut him down the Afro-American let him dangle in the wind, like Billy Holiday say, that forbidden fruit. So we must look aggressively in it. And you and I have met in a think tank, and we beg the difference on the next road that our our people should take for uh, healing. Um, And I, and I, I try to interject and get them to understand, yeah, I understand going back to Africa and this, that, that, and the other. And it's cool, but you did not keep in mind that this is the third time 
in black American history, you didn't try this approach. This is the third time they didn't try this approach, right? I'm a product of the Black Panther movement and Head Start, which was started by black people, one of the most successful daycare programs that helped our children and our single women evolve within the workforce and giving them opportunity and giving them the additional time to work on their craft. So I take the good and the bad and the ugly because I was conditioned by a person who could not read nor write, had formable skills as a welder and a merchant marine and, and slinging dope, but it was respect in the game then because the game said you do this to take your step up, to feed your family, to stabilize your life. So it had a mission statement behind it. Today, it's a free-for-all, you know. My money is going to speak. It's going to be my respect. My violence is going to be my respect. Um, how I use the almighty dollar to capture the minds of my ignorant women to find my respect, you understand? And, and our women, they go for it wholesale because it was socially acceptable or what we call the Nino Brown syndrome. We like the Nino Brown syndrome. That, that sounds so sweet to the ear, so pleasing. <laughs> right. So satisfying to the palate and the tongue. So in speaking about my grandfather once again, I remember the days when he'd come home and Stacy's was sweet. The sidewalk sung a song of positivity and strength. You can hear it in the steps that he took. And as he propped the hat on his head and he sucked upon the palmao, which was a popular cigarette with Lucky Stripe at that time, he was the example of manhood. But the game had rules to it. Presentation was all to be all. And I remember coming home from school, and this was in the early days before I, I, I evolved out of my sickness. I was one of the first children through Children's Hospital to obtain a, 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 a land-breaking surgical procedure to correct a heart murmur. And this heart murmur made me a weak child. I have uh, two sisters and a brother. Uh, my brother was the physical buck, the shining bright star, our, our precious prince. And I was the weak, uh, frail child, not for any doing of my parents, but just a fact of life. And my grandfather, who could not read and write, he was smart enough with his contact with his uh, other ethnic drug dealers, the Chinese and the Italians and the Irish of the West Coast. Uh, they They would give him advice and my grandfather was a man of humility and he had no problem with taking advice today taking advice from someone is looked is looked upon as a sign of weakness but you have to understand as a black american that is a rite of passage to evolving from dragging your knuckles and hands upon the ground so you must take advice from senior people you must take advice from individuals that you feel that are not superior to you because that shows your ability to grow and to learn. 
right? So Daddy would go to the library. He got one of his white friends to get him a library card, and he didn't know what was in the book. He talked to the white lady at the counter who was negative about him being in that library because the old saying is, you want to hide something from a nigger, hide it in a book. That's right. So he applied that negativity, and he say, I'm not in the business of building men. I'm in the business of building nations, right? So he would get these books, and he gets a local drug addict and and, 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 and the scorned woman who sling her body to pay her bills or to feed her addiction to sit and read to me. And then in return, he would elevate the program, and he would take his ill-gotten game, and he would get tutors because it's not like it was today. If you were not a child that had physical attributes to walk into a school, uh, the school didn't go out their way and bend backwards to send teachers and nurses and therapists to your house. You know, our teachers and therapists at that time were other dope dealers and, you know, and negative women who sling their bodies to pay their bills and fuel their addictions. Mm-hmm. So these women would come and sit with Mimi. He called me Mimi, and I. Later on in my life, I asked him, I said, how did I get the pet name Mimi? And he said, you were the weakest child. And you always seem like, in physical appearance, the weakest child. But he seen in me, he said I was the strongest child. And that left me confused for many years in my life. How could I not do the things and throw the basketball and run up and down the field, and everybody clapped, and Dietrich was, he was number one. You know, he, he could do, he could put the ball in the hole, and, and the girls loved him, and, and Daddy Ilgotten Game went on giving him the illusion of the prince. But he said that I would fight in my own different way. I would acknowledge myself in my own different way. And every time it was always me, me. I want to, me, me, and I want to. So he gave me the pet name, Mimi. Mm-hmm. Okay, because of, I had my own strength, and he seen something in me that he felt was worthwhile in nurturing. That's when you become a man, even though you're an ignorant man, and you say, I'm in the business of not building, you know, I'm going to build them a boy into a man who's going to build a nation. And it's a beautiful thought. It's a great thing, but he left one thing out of the equation, free will. And that's a dangerous word, free will. It's not nurtured properly. It could be a deadly tool. A free will will lead you down that ill-gotten path. And the manner in which I speak was coined out of books. So I did the same thing to my daughter, my daughter uh, Lilith, and I'll tell you the history behind her name and how she got her name. And I felt it was appropriate. Um, These books opened up a whole new avenue to me. And as I became stronger and he decided that he would send me to a Muslim parochial school. Yes, it's such a thing. 
<laughs> in wow. Muslim parochial school. People say, gee, what the hell is a Muslim parochial school? It even hit the cover of Life magazine. If you look if you go through and you Google Life magazine and look for the cover of Life magazine, you will see a young black boy with a yellow T shirt on with a lion on his face. And it hit the cover of Life magazine because it poised a threat to Mr. Charlie's way of life. Where two cultures who historically supposed to be enemies because of what Hannibal did, united together under one philosophy to create a nation of men by using discipline and the arts to create a being that was a dual threat. There were no girls there. They were not even allowed in the process. When we went to school, the only time I would see my, daughter, my 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 sisters and my mother would be at the end of the day. And this is prior to me going into the public school system, which was different than it is today. And we would have to wear these hot sweat jerseys and have to stand in military style and it would be inspections and the curriculum was of discipline and the arts and grace. I mean, it, it was a strange thing. I learned how to use the proper fork, learned how to mm-hmm. sit at the table and say yes, sir, and no, sir, and and respect my elders and corporal punishment was the speech of the day, not in a violent manner, but in a strengthening, disciplining manner to create men for a future nation. Right? They put a squash to that because that's diversity. That breeds separatism, right? It breeds negativity to the powers to be. Even today, our women, not Mr. Charlie, our women fight aggressively to keep our boys together in the public school system, not as their right of equality, but as a tool to make them weak, to make them less educated, and less equal. Now, my sisters are raised here. Oh, oh, he, he just, he's just trying to destroy us. But it worked. Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. But we can't have that because I lose control of Mr. Charlie's welfare initiative, the 97, which was created by a white woman, orchestrated by a white man, and accepted by a super coon of 84, Jesse Jackson. He's a super coon. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> the super coon. The resurgence of the super coon. Well, the super I understand coon. the super coon, but Jesse Jackson being one. I, I just want to unearth more because I know that to be a fact also. But go ahead. Many of yeah. us listening this- do know that. Okay, the super coon, what came to full resurgence in the 1984 election where the hidden Dixiecrat, which is a.k.a. undercover name for Democrat, he needed a, a symbol, a rallying cry, which is socially acceptable like Rosa Parks. 
So they picked Jesse Jackson, and, and it worked. And he's moving through the ranks and through the process. And then they have the great convention. And if you look at the footage from the convention, it tells the hidden story of what went on behind the scenes. It's right up front and in your face what happened that you were not party to behind the scenes. Jesse Jackson became more powerful than they wanted him to be. They wanted him to be the super coon that they can control, but he became powerful that he not 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 only took the hearts and minds of black America, but he took the hearts and minds of liberal white America. But Jesse Jackson, like most of our black leaders, uh, fell into the most dangerous thing, money and power. The most addictive drug in the world. It made cocaine look like a day at the beach. Money and power. So Jesse Jackson behind the scenes was told, well, 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 well you know uh, we run things, and, but it's possible one day we'll let you run things. Uh, uh, but you got to understand, right now, the conscious America is not ready for you, but they're ready for you, but they're not ready for you the way you want to be. So what we're going to do, we're going to cut a deal. We're going to be like Robert Johnson. and We're going to go to the crossroads, and you're going to sign this people's paper, and you're going to cut this deal. And the deal is that you take the reign of the number two man so the liberals will get comfortable with a man of color being the number two man and they can dream heartily and sleep good at night to know one day uh, that that man of color can be the front man. But Jesse wasn't with it. He let his addiction consume him to the point that he had a child out of wedlock and his wife didn't want to play the game because she felt humiliated. So she's a non-participant in the process. It, it's all in the footage. You can see it. Found in the footage, and if you dig a little deeper, I love about the one that. If you can dig a little deeper, you'll find the truth about the real deal of the 1984 elections, which changed the scope and focus of America. So he allowed his addiction, the money and power, outweigh his common sense. It is sometime in life it's better to take the second chair, so one day you'll be able to sit upon the throne. Being thrust into the lion life when you have no conscious idea of how to handle the situation, but you want it. You feel this thirst so badly that you know it's my time. Even now, I'm willing to take a second chair in a minority represented area to get what I want and what I need for my people. That's called humility. The ability to know that the person that they prefer to have in the first chair, which is socially acceptable for what they want to do. It's more acceptable than you, even though you got the one thing that money and power don't have, knowledge, and the acknowledgement of oneself. So you take the second chair and you play life as it is, a chessboard. And the tactic in chess when you feel that you're not achieving your goal is to retreat and reevaluate. 
these are policies that men should live by. There's nothing wrong with being uh, humble. Nothing wrong with stepping back and reevaluating. It shows more strength than the egotistical brother who is addicted to what? Money and power. I got to be number one. I got to be LeBar James. I got to be the $127 million man. That's what they preach. So these examples and what we're speaking about is the evolutionary um, growth of the black man. The Afro-American, he don't have that ability. The political ideology is not a race. But it's being said to you as it's a race. You know, my heroes are Herman Cain. And they go, what? My hero is Robbie Lee. What? Oh, my God. He done lost his damn mind. But if you dig a little deeper, you will see the strength in those men. Let's start with the biggest team, Robbie Lee. How this black man admires Robbie Lee? Well, if you dig a little deeper, you will know that he is one of the greatest generals this country has ever breathed. He is a hero to every black man, but a demon to the Afro-American because they're looking at symbolism. He was a tool. He was the only general in American history that won every battle lost the war because he looked past the talking point. It's all in books. The thing that the black man said to the Afro-American will not acknowledge that his growth is hidden in those books. He didn't buy into it. And the battle flag was a symbol of a state which he felt was a nation. Because you got to understand, mm-hmm. we moved from the revolutionary state in America to a civil war over humanity, humanistic ground the equality of man in God's covenant that you should treat your brother as you treat yourself. So I respect this man. And my grandfather made me respect this man. And all the while, the people around me told me, well, your grandfather crazy, and he respecting the devil. And as I digged a little deeper, I learned more about him than the Afro-American wanted me to do. Do your research. Even the demon that I dethroned here in my community gave me a key to his own downfall in a funny comment that he made in trying to embarrass me. He said, for you come after me, you better do your research. Words that sunk his own ship. And that's how I got it, with his own words. Powerful thing, bro. Powerful thing. <laughs> and everything that a man who could not read was looking at, looked at as the scum of the earth, taught a weak child, a discarded child, one that was not acclaimed for his intelligence, was ignored because he didn't have the physical attribute, which is part of our sickness. 
we give more respect to people because their achievements of their physical attributes than other than those who made achievements because of their mental strength. That's one of our greatest weaknesses. We even elevate them to leadership roles just because they could dance as a jigaboo and can perform as a slave. You know? And, 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 and it amazed me at times. Great point. That's a great point. I never, I never really thought about it that way, but you're right. That is an excellent point. So now when we look back to those that we have elevated to those positions of leadership or being influential, it's why? Is it because of their mind? Is it because mm -hmm. of their thinking, the processes that bring us higher? Or is it because they were an athlete or they're popular or they're on social media with so many hits and likes? You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that we as a people have more so been turned around. I mean, it was bad back then. Malcolm X said it, you know, that we'll take entertainers and make them leaders um, mm -hmm. and athletes and make them leaders. Although they can stand for the cause, you know, that is what they're known for, you know, unless you make the ultimate sacrifice, you know, um, in what you do. But you're right. And, and, and the movers and shakers, the true movers and shakers are pushed to the to the rear, to the back burner. And we don't appreciate mm -hmm. and acknowledge them as much. Um, and this is why when I run into individuals like yourself, I see how valuable you are and what you can share. And I'm how you not can... valuable, bro. Oh, yes, I'm, a, you I'm a resource that's always been there. Well, yeah, exactly. A, but, but a valuable resource at that, you see. Um, no, no. I have to disagree with you on that. Okay. We're going to debate right now. If your people... <laughs> If your people don't see your net worth, then you ain't even worth recycling. Well, you know You're what? You're just thrown away in the consumption that they they have been taught to live by. We are well, more for, consumers for those people than yeah. creators. But if you look at it this way, and I always use this analogy where I look yes, at the sir. very expensive watch. It doesn't have to be expensive, mm -hmm. but there's a watch that you wear around your wrist, and you mm -hmm. tell the time. You see the hour hand, and you see. Uh, the minute hand, you see the second hand, but those hands don't work on its own. If you were to remove mm -hmm. the faceplate, you would see the gears mm -hmm. that are hidden from sight that work tirelessly to drive those hands. So mm -hmm. now you're getting more and more visibility as I'm going to make sure that you get, not that you didn't have it before, not that I'm some big media mogul icon or anything like that, but a person like yourself with the qualities and experiences that you bring in, in, in the mind to articulate it, not the way they use the word articulate, but but mm -hmm. the way you articulate it and you weave it into a very seductive story that is true in all your experiences, you're painting pictures and you do so, so excellently. Imagine the people out there that have the experience but don't know how to weave those words. And it's not game. But you have out there learned game, but you learn how to combine it with the real and make a delicious meal. So even though you may think that you may not be valuable, that second hand, that, that minute hand, that hour hand would stand still if you weren't behind the faceplate driving it. And we need men like you, women like you in our communities who for some time might be faceless to the masses because the Jesse Jacksons of the world want to be seen and want to be heard, but 
may not want to do the work behind closed doors or in the midnight hour when you should be sleeping, but you're still thinking about uh, the restoration of your people. We need you. And because of that, you're valuable. And if we didn't have people like you, most movements would be a cardboard cutout. Just like when you walk into mm -hmm. the supermarket, you see a man standing there, you say, who is that? And you move around, you see the light. It's flat. It's nothing behind it. So we need mm -hmm. people like you for the, the meat of the matter, even though I don't eat meat. <laughs> you know, I still use those analogies. <laughs> so you're very important because the movement would stand still without you. You know who taught me that? Who? You know who taught me how to do that? A person that we give very little credit to in our school system, James Baldwin. James go. Baldwin should be mandatory reading for every black man. The Killer Mockingbird, the original version, not the censored version. Uncle Tom Ver Uncle Tom Cabin, not the sense, not the book that we have in our library today, but the original book. Things like um, movies like A Time to Kill should be mandatory for our children to watch. And Native Son should be mandatory for our young men to consume. The arts, the old arts, not the new arts, but the old arts, are our salvation. But the powers to be, the ones who took up what, what my my brother and who I love so deeply, who inspires me so deeply, Herman Cain, I had an opportunity to meet him. And I met him at a period of time in my life when he was a nobody. He was a CEO of God out of pizza. And that brief moment, that little encounter, changed my life. And there's several moments in my life that changed my life to make me who I am today. You know, and it's a strange thing. And I've met some people and I've been in places that affected me and I did not even know into the day how it affected me. Just the ability to be within that realm. Like those saying, just just God, just let me touch the hem of your garment. You know what I'm saying? And even though they didn't say anything profound, even though they didn't yet point me out, and even though they didn't speak to me directly and they walked it's just the fact that they walked by me. Didn't look me in the eye. Didn't even acknowledge my 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 appearance there, but they just walked me. They just just the desire to touch the hem of their garment. It's a powerful thing, and most people doesn't know how it affects the growth of the black man, Afro American. He got to be heard. You got to acknowledge my existence, and you got to touch me, and you got to have me in the photo op. That's what's going to change who I am. Afro-American, that term is a dangerous term. It is a dangerous term that has crippled our people in such a manner. See, on my birth certificate, it's a colored. Now, somebody say it's like a 
P.L. box. But what color are you? It's very physically obvious. I am a black man. It's now, Ronnie. To take offense in a true fact? I'm Ronnie. If you look at the evolutionary change of uh, the Afro-Americans, they've been titled and labeled so many things. Look at your birth certificate that they confuse on who they are. You're right. Well, my birth certificate tells me exactly who I am, and that's why I say all the time, and people get offended by my statement. Yeah, I'm so thankful for good white clansmen for cutting me down for them Afro-Americans having me swinging in the wind. That's what it's saying. And that's a dangerous thing. Think someone is supposed to be your enemy. To admire someone who carries a battle flag. They are just the people who was fighting for their assumption or belief that their state was a nation. And their rallying symbol is looked upon to us as negativity, not knowing who was the puppet master behind that. In every political struggle in America, it's a talking point. And people don't realize that it's a puppet master behind that talking point. Even today, Black Lives Matter, Al Sharpton, all of them, everybody forgot about, you know, the great shame of Al Sharpton. What's her name, Bradley? What was that little girl named that told that lie? Tawana Rowling. Bradley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They overlook that, but then they don't look at his involvement. Now he's a mega millionaire, and he looked like he and took a and drunk the fool aid, and, 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 and he went and got <laughs> liposuction, and he don't slim fast and <laughs> process and then evolve. You know, I like people like uh, Carnell West. Did I pronounce his name correctly? Yes, you did. Cornell West. Yeah, I like him because he uses symbolism to make people afraid. I like people like Don King. I read his book and it changed my life. And people say, you, you admire some strange people. Well, maybe you need to dig a little deeper and find out why this brother admired these people. <laughs> they told you that? <laughs> mm -hmm. Because, they, you know, when I speak in audience and I speak to the young men, because one of my core rules, if you want me to speak, is that no women are allowed in the room. They're not even, they're not even allowed in the process of organization of it. Now, some people say, oh, you're just a mean person. You hate women. It's a method to the madness. And Cornel West told me that. He taught me that in his books, in his lectures. Okay? But I wasn't just in there because it was a flash in the pan and it was socially acceptable to be in that room. I was listening to what the brother was saying. I was looking between the lines of what he was saying. And people miss the message. They don't even understand why. If you look at any photos of him, he always went in the same suit. He got 50 of the same damn suit. And why don't he cut that hair and get in some brand new glasses? 
but they don't understand their symbolism. And that symbolism goes back to the great debate of the of the turning of the century between W. E. Du Bois and Frederick Douglass. It was a debate. It was even depicted in Roots, the great debate. On which direction do we go for the for for the new new millennium coming? At that period of time it was new for the new millennium for them. And no one seen the method to what they classify his madness. Symbolism. He wears the garb of Frederick Douglass. His whole persona is of Frederick Douglass. And maybe they need to read that book and study the great debate. That's why I'm such an avid supporter of segregation of the boys and girls in school. Because it makes sense. But for the black women uh, teachers union, it gets in my pocket. Nigga, get out my pocket right before the death of Malcolm X. They have their own agenda. They have their own livelihood that they're concerned about. And their 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 engine, their car is your children. Just like piling all those graham cracker and pillow programs that has crippled our children over the years. And our women have been conditioned to believe that they're in the best interest of our children. Those non-for-profit organizations, the, what they call them, uh, 5-1-C-K, is part yeah. of the problem. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to acknowledge it, not knowing the history of it, dating back to park and recreation. For that period of time, it was a good engine. But for mm-hmm. today, it's a crippling effect. Right now, even in my own community, one of those Negro, uh, uh, what I call those Afro-Americans who strung me up, have one of those non-for-profits because I'm trying to remove those non-for-profits out of my community because they're a crippling set. And they get real mad. I mean, they they, they want to burn crosses in the front yard. And they, they, they want to turn Super Coon against me and try to use the white man to lynch me, and all the while, the white man is sitting there doing the Arsenio Hall. Hmm. <laughs> I love Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall put a, <laughs> put a white president in the White House, and most black people don't know that. Because he understood the power of the media. Conscious learning has to start by stripping that ugliness out of that individual. My grandfather caught me as I evolved. My grandfather caught me slinging weed because in actuality, I was a top child in my community because of the things my grandfather did. Even though he slanged dope, he was politically active. I had the opportunity to meet Huey Newton and Stokey Carmichael and Angela Davis and they had a headquarters across the street from my house. We didn't live in the project. We just lived across the street from the project. But I knew everybody in the project, but I wasn't allowed to play with them. I wasn't allowed to hang out with them. And even if I did play with them and hang out with them, they need not to harm me or malign me. My grandfather had ties that would get you killed. 
for messing with his baby boy. The weakest of the, the runt of the litter. You understand? But in actuality, I was the strong one. The runt was the strong one. My brother was the popular one. My youngest sister was the pretty one. My oldest sister was the scorned one because of her color and her weight issue. But she was smarter than the pretty one. But the pretty one got all the opportunities. And the one who had the physical attributes got all the opportunities. But we were special in our own way. Mm-hmm. Okay? And my grandfather, even with his ignorant way, by Mr. Tyler's standard, was smarter than Mr. Tyler. He just didn't acknowledge his knowledge and what to do. Don't let the left hand know what, what the right hand is doing. That's what that means. But we don't, we don't culture, we don't nurture, you know. And my grandfather, with his background as a merchant marine who welled, decided when he caught me out there slinging bags of weed because I came in one night. I was hanging out. I graduated high school when I was 15 years old. And I, I had a whole lot of time on my hands. And I got a job. And I moved up to assistant manager by the time I was 17 years old. I was assistant manager of a, old, of a whole store that was an offshoot of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And most of our people don't know anything about it. It's called H, H, HR Fish and Chips, which was a subsidiary of Kentucky Fried Chicken, which was owned by a black man who was deep in debt to my grandfather because he had an addiction his wife didn't know anything about. So my granddaddy would lend him money. Granddad was a long shark too. I even became a long shark, but a new type of long shark. Because in the Navy, we sold money to those who were addicted to sex and drugs because they couldn't deal with the isolationists of being out to sea in a long time. So they would go out in town and they squander their paycheck. And then their addiction made the desire to go back out into town again. So they come to me and they cut a deal. And I would sell them $20. And on payday, they would come back and they would give me $30. That's how I bought my first house. That's when my, my, I married a woman. I, by their standards, was outside of my way, outside of my race. But by my state standard, was socially acceptable for a black man to marry. She was Puerto Rican and Italian. My only wife. My baby mama, I followed the customs of my people. Having children out of way a lot. It doesn't diminish the power of my children. It just shows the diversity of my children. So, in that, I was attracted to the negative woman in my community because she had all the trappings of desire but all the negativity of no growth of the future. It took nothing away from the children because at the end of the day, as a black American, I was responsible for my children. My grandfather was a black American who was responsible for the elevation of his grandchild. Use what you got to get what you want. So, That's right. my daughter achieved great things. 
because she was born out of wedlock. Right? So in that, I came long shot. He caught me slinging these bags of weed. He seen I was hanging out with a negative element. My mama was crying because I slipped in the house at 4.30 in the morning. And at the time, back in these houses, and I remember how my grandfather got my mother her first house, got her her first house on the courthouse steps because the white man didn't like it because it was an 18th century colonial house that had 18 rooms. And he bought it for, for less than $15. But we owned our own home with a great achievement for a black person. But it was the norm in the black Mexican. And I came home and I went into a thing we called a water closet. Do you know what a water closet is? Hello? 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 I just muted myself in the background noise. Okay. Do you know what a water closet is? Yeah. Okay. They don't exist today. I know. Um, but they're still around, but in a new form. I have one in the home I'm in right now. I have a water closet in it. They call it a second bathroom, only a sink and a toilet in there. Yeah, so that- and it's, instead of the um, bowl being up on the wall with a long pipe coming down toward the, toward the toilet, it's all in one thing. So I come home and I creep in the house through the back door because it has steps, and I had to creep past my sister, the pretty one. And she she was the spook behind the door, and she went and snitched. She got tired and listened to me throwing up because I had consumed three eight balls and don't know how to handle my liquor. I'm throwing up like it's going out of style. I'm calling Earl. It's coming out. My sister got sick of it, so she went and told Mama, Mimi in there drunk as a skunk. Mama come in there. She laid out her words of wisdom, and I'm calling your granddaddy. Ooh, I got real nervous then, because he rules supreme, you understand, the way it's supposed to be. And he'd get out of his bed from his Christian woman, and he'd come in his, in his Chevrolet, pretty in his hat, and his Stacy, and he'd say, boy, I'll be back. Go lay down, go to sleep, and I'll be back at 5 o'clock in the morning, and we'll deal with this issue at 5 o'clock in the morning. But be fully aware I'm coming. And daddy come and get me and take me to a place that he loved. He loved to go to Denny's. That was his spot, Grand Slam. And to this day, I love the Grand Slam. Best thing <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, bro. <laughs> when I do my dirt, I do it over over a Grand Slam. Right? Because granddaddy told me, if you want to get a fool, feed him first. This is this is a technique young used by the church. You want to get that fool? feed him first and then preach to him. But, see, I didn't apply that to my thinking because I thought it was insignificant. And he used the same tactics on me 48 hours before he put my country tail in the United States Navy. Because he was a firm believer that if you want to build a man, you put him in the military. And he threw my country tail to the, uh, to the um, AV station he said, I ain't worried. You're going to pass the exam because you're smart enough to pass the exam. I, that, that's the least of my worry. My worry is whether, whether or not you have the mental capacity to survive. Because the United States Navy is the best thing for every black male. If I had to speak to a room of black women, 
I would tell them to put their children in the United, especially male children, especially male children. And I stand as my bond on this and argue anybody down. The United States Navy saved my life. United States Navy saved me. And even when I got lost young men and I talked to, and when they look like they so far lost, I drag their asses right down to that AV station, and you're going in the United States Navy. Okay? And it has a historical history for black, black men. So our greatest black men came out of the United States Navy. Most black people don't know that. One of our premier writers was in the United States Navy, Alex Taylor. And what came out of that was roots, which changed the face of a nation. The most They don't teach that. And our women don't allow that to be taught. So he put me in the Navy, and I went through life's trials and tribulations through the United States Navy. And I left the country at the age of 17, and I did not return back to my native land until I was almost 23 years old. Wow. I've been around the world three times, experienced things that people talk about, and I saw the things that I read in books, and I was uh, introduced to cultures and religions and customs, and, and it was a beautiful thing. It made me, it took my player card, which was cardboard, and it turned it platinum. I mean, I was smoother. <laughs> Worldwide membership. You went from the basic plan baby. to the platinum plan. <laughs> That's it, baby. And I mean, For I real. was good at my at my craft because I had a daddy told me how to pimp women. I had the United States Navy to culture me, and he had groomed me. And I was sitting with the top, and I was in Monaco playing backgammon and drinking fine wines and hanging out with people like the Manhattans and Hell Melvin and the Blue Notes. I mean, I was in the mix, bro have any woman I want, all I had to do is give her a glare. I had to give her the gas. But it was smooth. Couldn't beat him with a baseball bat. Well, you're still smooth, brother. <laughs> and but righteously, I'm you take from that. Man. Yeah, but you, you, you take from that and you use it for the good. But it's there and you're honest about its origins. And that's wonderful that you took it one way. and But like I said, that was a necessary part of your journey because it made you to be the man that you are now, you see? But you got to remember, my grandfather said, with all these compliments that you give me, my grandfather, oh, and he beat this in me because I got me a good lick when I, when I didn't tell the lie. And I thank him for every one of those beatings. Thank God every day of my life that my grandfather told that tale up. I thank God. And that's crazy in belief today that this black man would be thanking God for physical abuse. Today they look at me like I was crazy, that I was suffering from a syndrome. What's the name of that syndrome? Not Munhausen syndrome. I can't remember exactly what that syndrome is. I remember as our conversation. But I thank him every day for tearing that tail up. It's a way that you do it, that it does not become abusive. It's how you do it that make it abusive. And for black children, it should be mandatory. 
Now they say he crazy as all get up. <laughs> but it's the way that you do. So I was very thankful for that. And when I came back and the ship came in the port and we standing at parade rest at the Tugs is docking the ship and the mooring lines go to the ballot. And I look over the side while I'm at parade rest. And guess who did meet me? My dad. My dad. And unfortunately, that, that day I came back to America. I could not go be with my family because in the Navy you have duty. That one twenty four hours a day that your group has to protect the ship and keep the ship going and operating just in case some ass want to attack America, we can get out there and put foot to them. Proud to say, anybody mess with my country, I will put foot to you in such a manner I will kick you to sleep. And proud of that fact. Proud of my service. And look forward to my death when they pull that flag off my casket. Look forward to that day. Because the Navy saved my life. They made me a better man. Mr. Charlie's Navy made me a better man. And that's an amazing thing to the Afro-American. He crazy. He, he, he didn't lost his mind. You know, I ain't lost my mind. I'm just thankful for my blessing. And I was taught to always be humble, even when those give you compliments. You always deny those compliments and you stay humble because I am just a man. That's all I am. But I'm silent and cry and I'm weak and I have morbid desires mm-hmm. because I am just a man. Each and every day of my life, I strive for God's covenant. I will never be as Christ, but I strive each day to be Christ-like. And that's what you teach your young man. Yes. Regardless of how somebody say that you're so special, you always deny that special and you keep on striving to be better. That's how you build a man. And some say that, well, that's crazy. You talk to them afro Americans, they say, that boy got a mental problem. No, son, you got a mental problem. Mm-hmm. You got all the answers and know none of the questions. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the better way to that's the better way to go because um yeah I give you compliments and I give my other brothers compliments but you take it the right way you know you mm-hmm. take it take the acknowledgement and you say okay let me remain humble and make myself better and I've always been that way <clears throat> my father taught me the same thing and people personally with me they say hey man you're a ham you're always out there you're always in the limelight but I can handle it but that's not my drive um, for me. Mm-hmm. The process, um, putting in the work, I enjoy mm-hmm. uplifting others. That's why I love being behind the camera. You know, I love writing about yeah. other people. I love, I love sharing you with others. Mm-hmm. You see, you have some platforms. It's a powerful thing, ain't it? It's about. Yeah, it's, well, I love it. I mean, look, come on now. You you can attest to this. When we met mm-hmm. and we had a, a general meeting afterward, I couldn't keep the camera out your face. <laughs> I was so overjoyed that I said, "Man." I can't wait to other people who are connected to me get a chance to sample Brother Dimitri. You know? 
that's that's an awesome. story about my first day back in America. Tell me. And Big, different I'm outlook, sad. huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, everybody's family is leaving. They're kissing and hugging and flowers, and they're getting ready to celebrate. And my little special person, my third leg, is waiting to get next to my wife. I'm, 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 I'm down by law, bro. I'm, I'm like, ooh. And she was, I mean, she was tight work. <laughs> Look like brand new money. You never tasted a dollar bill, and it tastes so sweet. That's how much love I have for my wife. And I could not be with her. I'm angry. And here come granddaddy up the game plane. Right? And I'm mad because I can't go be with my family. Daddy come to me and kiss me like he always do on the forehead and give me a hug. Because see, in my family, we're not ashamed to show affection for each other. Right. I grew up the same way. And it shows our unity. And it makes other people afraid of us to see such love for one's family. So I'm upset and granddaddy grabbed me. He was a very physical man. And he was never one for bum foolery. Say, boy, you're showing your weakness. Say, yes, daddy. And I call my little tail down. And here come the captain. Most powerful white man on a 400,000 ton piece of danger. Walking, because he the, he the man. He the man. My granddaddy's standing next to me, and the white man walked by me, and I popped too. And then I salute. Because that's the order of the day. And the captain stopped. Get off the waters. Yes, sir. Who is this? I said, this is my father. Proudly. Because I'm not going to deny who he is to me. He's more powerful than that white man to me. And I'm proud to say he my father. And then the white man walks up to him and shakes his hand. And I stand in amazement. And my heart is full of joy. To the point that I have to fight back the tears of the joy. And he acknowledged this man's greatness as I do. And then this white man speaks of me like I am a God. To the man that I respect. And he says such beautiful things that I am so proud in my life to know the man who developed me is respected by a white man that don't even know him. He never set foot in his home or set, what they say, set sight upon him with his eyes. That was the day of my manhood. The one who groomed me and took the weeds out the garden was respected by a white man that don't even know him. This man cannot read or write and so dope. And he had created a man for a nation. It's a beautiful thing. A beautiful feeling. It's like the day my eyes was opened to Jesus Christ. It is such a painful day, but such a joyful day. I had to share it, had to call almost 3,000 miles to my godmother in Christ 
who affected my life in ways, and I cried on the phone with her. And she said, why are you so sad? I said, Mommy, these are tears of joy to see my eyes opened by the word of Jesus Christ. It's a joyful thing. And every man should feel that joy and pain. At the same time, it is so pleasing to the soul. Beautiful thing. And these are periods of rite of passage to wake up and know that you are a man and that you are even more close to being Christ's life. Count your blessings. Be thankful for the small things because the great things don't do nothing but blind you. Don't let others put you upon the pedestal because if you fall, the plummet is so painful. So don't try to climb that high. Stay humble and you'll automatically be put up there without climbing. Just stay humble. That will make a greatness. You know, I sit at home and my daughters are gone and they are they doing their thing and Lilith doing her thing and Kira is doing their thing. And I didn't pick Kira's name because I don't believe in going into the operating room and leaving out there and taking the silverware and dropping it on the ground and that's the name you give your child. I don't believe in that. And black people got it bad. Mercedes, been gay. <laughs> but then when you say the one I named her, which is Lilla, just the, just the sound of it, that's greatness behind the name. And most people don't understand. I was mad at my baby mama one night. I'm on the computer and the baby coming. She didn't cut the food and put me through changes and uses a white mafiosa tool called it child support to control me. And she used lives of domestic violence which never occurred because it's the standard order to keep the nigger in line. And I'm on the computer looking at white women have a social revolution about their feminism. And they speak of a maid, one of their leaders, who questioned these white women in the room this over 100 years ago and why she's serving tea and looked upon as a secondary citizen within society. Her name was Lilith. And she had more power than the people that she was serving. And they stopped and asked her a question, and her profound statement rocked the nation. And she let them know, even though they struggled, it was the same struggle, but you oppressing me the same as the person you fighting against, but you still feel that I am not equal to you. It's a power thing. Things happen in men's life. Person, place, and thing happen to men's life that help them to evolve. That's why it is so important now that we, especially now among all times, that we separate our boys from our girls. It is a more critical time than ever in our survival that we do not allow them to go to school together. And 
fight the ideology of the powers to be to keep them together. If these mothers are so well-meaning and they want husbands and men for their daughters, then they will support them. If you want the status quo, keep on living in the past. Keep on, keep on drinking the food aid. Do not try to solve your problems and keep <laughs> continuously going to Mr. Charlie to for the answer. The answer is in your face, up front and personal. Your cure to your sickness is in your face, and you refuse to take the medicine that's going to save your life. And I tell them, and I debate with them, and I put them out of the room. And I do it gladly and not ashamed that I feel that way because I have the cure for the sickness that is ravaging a boy's future. And the cure is right in our face, but we refuse to take the medicine because certain groups say that that's diversity. That, that makes them less than. I got bad news for you. They already less than. So what is it going to harm? <laughs> really? What is it going to harm? If you're saying that this way is the solution, then what I'm suggesting is not going to harm you. And I got them fighting me today. And they fight and they string me up to the old tree at the crossroads. But thank God for a good white clansmen who are willing to cut me down. <laughs> I thank God every day for them good white folks. <laughs> I do, bro. And not afraid of them. And they see me as they equal. And let the truth be told, they're afraid of me. Because I'm too progressive. I'm too progressive for my own people. But it's all right. Because this too shall pass. Just want to say to you. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. Trust what I say to you. We meet challenges. We're facing a challenge right now in trying to change the thinking of our community. I I live in a community is of one of four great communities in Florida. We have an opportunity as black people in my district, which is created under minority representation, which would make us the shining star of the state of Florida. This is the opportunity that God has gave us and that we are squandering because we are addicted to money and power and public assistance and projects and animate. And she's a vicious creature, Annie Mae. Now you say, who? <laughs> who is Annie Mae? Annie Mae. Do you know who Annie Mae is? Fanny Mae. Annie Mae is. <laughs> no, Annie Mae is DCL. Oh. Gotcha. I'm telling you. Gotcha. You better listen. You better listen to Bobby Walmack, how I feel about you. Listen to the words. Don't snap your fingers and shake your ass to the beat. Listen to the words. 
She tells all that she sees. All the while, she's trying to get next to me. Anyway. It's an old Negro code word for DCF. But we don't know who we are and we don't know who our history. My history in this country is a black American, not an Afro-American. Started in 1951 to this present day. That your history and my history. Back to African movement and Marcus Garvey was a threat of a cure. It was but a tool and a threat to the white man to make him realize that those who built your country may one day just get up and leave your country. It was never meant for real serious. It was an idle threat. The possibility of these poor niggers leaving this country is a fantasy. But if you use, if we use what we got economically, it's a benefit tool for us. But we refuse to think outside the box because those in our leadership and in our education and those who have the key to economic empowerment Keep us blinded. Keep us docile. They give us band-aids for our problems and say that we are cured and and expect us to say the old Negro word, Master, is we sick? No. Master, all right. He got the cure to his. We need to find our own cure. And the cure is right in our face but we refuse to take the medicine. We'd rather drink the what? The food aid. Because it's easier to consume. It is pleasing to the palate. And fear dictates the policy of today. Fear of losing something that you don't really have, but you feel that it stabilizes your life so you can, so you can hide in the closet and feel that you are right. But in actuality, each day when you get up in the morning and you speak to each other instead of saying good morning, you say, Master, as we sit. The pound thing. Pound thing. And people like me and others that are emerging who are not um Taking of the food lay, those of us who were fortunate enough to see um, school days and look past the glory of school days, but look at the message that Mr. Fishburne did at the end and he wrote and he hit the bell and he said, what? Wake up. When Heaven Melvin Blue Notes got to singing and popping and jigging and he said, wake up everybody a hidden message in there and not doing our research and knowing that the multimedia when that song came out the original version was cut up to keep you a slave because the end of that song tells you who really the enemy is but if you get the original version it tells you who is really hurting black America and when you hear the original version all the way through and then you, you you sit there and you listen to it and you got to deny it because it's diversity. 
it, it divides us to who really is the enemy. Miss Charlie stopped being the enemy a long time ago. But we use him as a crutch. Just like the police officers that we choose our children, we blame them. We don't blame the puppet master who trained him to kill us. It ain't his fault. He just happened to be white. But we can't think outside the box to know that this is a puppet master behind him. Just like it's a puppet master behind our misery and poverty and everything. See, I grew up with three TV channels, 920 TV channels. I was blessed to have only three TV channels and not 100 or 400 TV channels. I grew up during the emerging of cable. So I, I know who the real enemy is because I was fortunate enough to grow up without the idiot box that was created for idiots, which was the secondary babysitter. No, what's the first babysitter? The second babysitter was uh, Noctari. Super Nintendo was the second babysitter. And I live to see the third babysitter, which is the cellular phone. I went to a funeral one time. And I watched the ignorant creature show his natural colored tail. And all the Afro-Americans admire him. And not know that he ain't nothing but the devil in disguise. And I was fortunate enough to grow up with only three TV channels. And I thank God every day that I was on the beginning of the resurgence of cable. You can see the difference. Yes, I can see the difference. And I would have been a fool, and I'd be a fool today if I couldn't see the difference. Like I told you, I don't drink Kool-Aid. It's not my favorite drink. It don't quench my thirst. It don't pacify me in the midst of the heat. Okay? Today's cell phone is the new babysitter. As I sat in that funeral and I watched that ignorant woman have no respect for God's house and the respect for the dead, she was too concerned on pacifying her children with a cellular phone in the middle of a funeral. Instead of taking it away from him and doing as our ancestors would have did, would have snatched him out of that church and tow his tail up and walked him back in there and told him, you bet not cry. And you know I'm telling the truth. And you know I'm telling the truth, but you're too ashamed to accept the truth. And you can always tell when they shame because what they do when you shame them, they lash out at you and try to flip the script like the kids say. Where that cellular phone had no place in that house of God in the middle of that funeral. But they were justified at every turn. And if you disagree with you, they'll call Annie Mae on you. God is my witness. <laughs> That's God. Do you true? <laughs> Our black women worship Annie Mae. They love Annie Mae. They love Annie Mae. Do anything for Annie Mae. Annie Mae spit such 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 
poison into their mind and just wipe common sense clean. Just wipe the brain clean of common sense. But thank God for federal federal legislation and, and, and court battles that took place in the last 90 days where they found out and the Supreme Court has decided that no longer can any make go in your house and create false statements and commit perjury in court. It is legal, and it's ironic. It is illegal now to go into a court of law and tell a lie. That's brand new, ain't it? I always thought it was illegal to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but see, anime been put in her place. And she don't like it either. And she's screaming rape as we speak now. Because that's what you do when you're ashamed of what you do. When you get caught in the game and you don't want to know you don't want nobody to know you're a whore. So the first thing you do, you cry rape which is epidemic, and you go get injunctions and you lie in injunction because they teach you that the more horrible you make it, even though you lie, it makes it easier to get what you want. Go through it right now in my in my count. When our premier black women uh, attorneys who were was in charge of um, our legal aid, it's three-time elected judge, and I knew her when she wasn't nobody. And she is one of maybe four judges who still apply common sense to the law. And I love her. And she's just as powerful as Judge Evans, which is another strong black woman judge. She's from a northern state. I can't remember what northern state is. I always remember her name because I watched her on YouTube. And this sister is powerful. And she applies common sense to the law. Isn't that amazing? And this judge that we have here, mm-hmm. and I say her name with such pride, her name is Rhonda Babbitt. I am so proud of her. Take a man's life over that woman, because I am not proud of that black woman. And she is one of the most powerful judges and the most respected black woman in our community. And love her to death. And I remember the day she picked up my daughter and held her in her arms and kissed her. And I was so proud that that woman thought my daughter was special. To this day, she gave me my first set of law books, and I thank her. Three black women helped a black man learn that the child support laws in the state of Florida is sexually biased and under control of private industry. And I can name them black women to this day. Day, Ron the Bath, Pearl Cosby Smith, and the last great one, the greatest one of all, the last wife, the last wife of our greatest civil rights leader in this community. Now you figure that one out, and they own Stone Funeral Home, and I am so proud of that woman. I don't know what to do. It brings tears of joy to my eyes every time I see her. Every time I see Pearl Consciousness, it brings tears of joy to know that that woman exists. Every time I see Rhonda Bath, it brings tears of joy to my heart to know that she exists. But black women won't follow her example. 
of what black men, but what black women should be to their nation because of ignorance and influence of what? Annie May. And Annie May come in multiple shades and colors. She is not <laughs> depicted right. like <laughs> she's not depicted like false god. She ain't blonde and blue eyed. She has curly hair, hair of wool, and skin of copper. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. And every time I hear that woman's name, sound like hope. Sound like hope. She helped me when other black women would not help me. She opened my eyes when black women weren't doing nothing but dotting my eyes so I can walk around and look like a coon. You understand? So all black Mm -hmm. men don't hate black women. We just disappointed in a vast majority of them. I want you to speak speak on that because I want you to speak on that because many of our sisters think I'm not saying everyone. We have so many different, I wouldn't say categories because nobody fits into uh, a strict box, but across the board from what I see in social media and even today, um, just out in the street, many, not all, but many feel that black men, black men are not, are not monolithic, but they feel that black men are just against us. They don't like us. They want the white woman. They put us down. They look at our flaws and they call us the B word and they just want to use us for one thing. And, and, and they don't treat others like that, but they just hate us. For those who may feel that way, I want you and your opinion and your perspectives to kind of explain that away um, from what you see. Because, see, you're going back, you go back to a time, right, when that really didn't exist. It may have, maybe in your opinion, but there was so much more love for our sisters back in the day. Look, every time I talk to you, um, you're not that much older than me. You're not even a handful of years, but you bring me back to a time when things were much different. And just like when they say when a computer breaks down or you get that funny screen, go back to the time when it was functioning, go back to when it was use and and good use and working proper. Um, When I hear you talk, I I think about 45 uh, RPM records. I I think about uh, uh, Afro picks, the red, black, green handles. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm A-track, you know what I mean? Superfly, you know, um, the black exploitation movies, the, the the fish spot where there was fried fish, and you go and you meet mm-hmm. and you talk with people, and and just that pride that we had, man, the dashikis and 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 the good soul train on a Saturday morning, just all of that good mm-hmm. stuff, man. I mean, I'm I'm hearing your words, but I'm feeling your soul. But I went off the question again. Just um, talk to the sisters and talk to the brothers about that in particular, and just weave it in the way you're doing doing it so beautifully. Okay, me as a black man, in my perspective, and like I say, by making these comments, the Afro-American is going to string me up and thank God for good clan men to cut me down. And the truth hurts. These women today is pimping off the, off the success of women of the past. They have achieved nothing. 
everything, their whole existence is primarily pimping off of what's gone and past. And that's the truth. They have made no great strides. See, the women of that period got their respect because they had grace and style. That when you looked at them, they warranted respect because of their grace and and style and their strength. Right? They didn't have to prove that they was beauty and that they were beautiful. It spoke for itself when they stepped in the room. Today, they spent over $66 billion trying to prove to me that I'm worth having them. And they don't like the fact that my mind is free. And just like you dismonished me to Mr. Tali and Annie Mae, I am no longer afraid to dismonish you to Mr. Tali and Annie Mae. The fear is gone because you're not worthy of respect. You're not worthy of marriage. The percentage of black women, if you see a black woman who got a husband, she is the superwoman. The rest of them, they struggling to even acknowledge their own gender. And that's the God-forsaken truth. The woman who can get that Negro to say, I do, she worth respecting. The woman who got a belly out, who gluing her brains in and sewing her intelligence together, she ain't worthy. I done seen them fall apart. See, the women I knew never, wouldn't have fell apart if Mr. Charlie said, I'm going to take away your food stamps and, and my, your public assistance. she say, so what? Never really needed anyhow. I was just using it. Sister, the day she'll fall apart, she'll cry, she'll get on TV. Oh, my God, Trump has taken away my food stuff. He take away my public assistance. I'm getting ready to lose my power. I'm getting ready to be shown for who I really am, that I ain't nothing but a tool for that in me. She leaned so deeply on it that we forgot what real women look like. We forgot what a woman who deserves respect looks like. She by her respect. She never even was taught to earn her respect. If you listen to them very carefully, and especially those who receive public assistance, you need to listen to them. Don't try to game them. Don't try to talk under their skirts. Don't don't try to pull on their phone. Listen to them. Listen to what come out of their mouth. I had a sister girl one time I was seeing. This was back in the 90s. And she told me I'm a strong, independent black woman. I got a project. And I take care of myself and I feed my family off my food stamp. And I got my low-income job and I didn't need no education to get it. And I got a DNA to get your TNA. Well, excuse me, I got a TNA to get your DNA, and I will enslave you by using anime and Mr. Child. That's what her power is. That's 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 what she uses to control 
and project her power. Corporate American black woman and her fears and tears about she can't find no husband. But you told me why you can't find no husband. Because you're looking for a six-figure man. Whoop, got bad news for you. We kind of short on my damn self. You know the possibility of a sister getting a six-figure man, the average sister getting a six-figure man, that heifer is out of her mind. And, yes, I call her a heifer. You want to know I call her a heifer? A heifer is a creature that 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 chews her cud three times and has two or more stomachs. One stomach she lets you see, and the other stomach is the, what she consumes from Mr. Charlie and Annie May. Man, she feel offended when I call her out her name. But since the welfare initiative, she's been calling me out my name and using me as a tool to get her independent. But she's offended when the script is flipped. But as long as I sit passive like the white man want me to and sit in the corner and let him pat me on the head and I accept her mafiosa tactics through child support, and her lies, which she used in domestic violence, because there is an, for every action, there is a reaction. And sometimes your mouth, your mouth, what you say is yours, just like it's mine. You get upset when you use your eyes, but when I use my eyes, I'm in the wrong. When I become displeased with your behavior and I start venting it out, Oh, your trust for me, better dig a little deeper. Even those who view what she say while she pulled out of her card, the victim card. She's always the victim. I advise every brother, and this is the God's taking truth, and I know women going to hate me for saying this. But when she started telling you that she had nothing but bad relationships and you go in there, and, and please excuse the term, but this is a true fact. And she go and she try to make you feel like Captain Saberhold. It's a ploy. It's an allusion to her inadequacy as a woman. When she constantly tell you that every man she has has victimized her, then I'm saying that you ain't got no business walking and talking and walking around and selecting men. Maybe I, maybe I bet you I'll pick a man for you that won't victimize you because you got a poor choice of character. Everything that's happening to you, you did voluntarily. Because even by your standard, Mr. Charlie gave you a white out, a way out. He said, go get you a white man. But then when you go get you your white man and you have your children and it don't turn out, then you use the victim card on him. Sweep around your own dough before you try to sweep around mine. Because I grew up in a time where they told us it's three sides to a story. His side, her side, and that's it, yourself. Call the damn truth. All right? Let's be realistic about it. For every action... There is a reaction, and this is a fact. So when you when you meet a sister and she tell you that baby daddy number one did this and baby daddy number two did this, 
and baby daddy number three did this, and baby daddy number four did this, and baby daddy number five did this. First thing in his mind, she's saying, you're a poor choice of character. And if you know he had flaws, why did you lay up and spread up for him? Was it because you was told that the money is good? Popularity is good. Project is good. The food stamps is good. For every action, there is a reaction. And I refuse to believe that the black man in America is so bad that every woman he touched and every man he touched is to blame for her demise. Only a fool would believe that, that she is so perfect, that she's more perfect than Christ. That if Christ came in his life, came into her life, she would put him on child support, and she would have injunctions on him, and he beat her. And you want me to believe that even Christ is abusive, and we made in His image? Yes, it's true that there's a lot of confused brothers out there who are doing evil things to you, but at the same time, you have a choice. Personal responsibility is on you just as as at me. And as you criticize me, no longer will I sit in that corner and let you pat me on my head and say, we sit. Because you hold the key. You got all the T and all the A, which is nothing but trappings. You ain't even got sense enough to grow your own damn hair. You go buy, you go buy other people's hair and then justify it. And that's a strange thing. I got I got hair. I got long, pretty hair. You ever seen Whoopi Goldberg? Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, um, she did a skit many many yeah. years ago in the beginning. Of- Saturday Night Live, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And she told it, and but she did a subliminal message because she had to give them something that their palate could consume. So they talk about. Uh, uh, so she made the term fourth, fourth floor Becky popular before it hit the internet. She talked about fourth floor Becky before people even realized fourth floor Becky existed. But she wasn't talking to me and you. She was just entertaining you and I. She was talking to her sister. And when she did the skit at the uh, press dinner, they have a dinner every year, a roast every year, and each one of the people get to do a skit. And at the time, she just happened to be married to a white man. He was the star of Cheers. I remember his name. But I always remember the story. And they came in there and they did blackface. And everybody thought it was so insulting. But they were so wrapped up in being hurt that they missed the whole message. She's so intelligent, she dumb. She's so educated that she dumb. And it's such a creature such as that, that you can be so intelligent and so powerful that you're a walking, talking idiot. And if you think Elevating yourself to the CEO standard and breaking the glass 
You get all that from from four floor thinking. That's who you idolize. That's who you emulate. Brothers is they stupid too. Because they don't even understand the reasoning behind the weed. The women don't even understand the reasoning behind the weed. The weed is a tool. They don't buy that makeup. They don't buy that weed. That ain't for you. Them clothes and the belly button hanging out and the liposuction and the butt implants and the lycra and all of that. That ain't for you. That's the excuse to use it. In actuality, that's them competing with each other. That's what it's for. To make the next woman think that she's better than the next woman. That's the ugly secret that the brother ain't caught on to yet. All of them trappings, the shoes, the pocketbooks, buying the cars, being the corporate mom, that ain't got nothing to do with you. You are the excuse to do it. But in actuality, it's to use to show the next woman that she's better than the next woman. Women by nature are vain. The Bible tells us that they're vain. They can't help themselves. It's in their genetic makeup. And I trust the Bible. I trust the Bible. I may be one of the few who do. But in actuality, none of that's for you. Okay? They spend, they rather spend money on that than feed their children, pay their bills. They will get their hair done before they run down to the power company and make sure their lights is on. And this is God's taking truth. And she, she'll, he hate women. I bet he date white women. Mm. So you just proved my point when you say he date white women. Because that's who you're competing with. You show who you really afraid of. You show by using that as a scapegoat who you really afraid of. You afraid of four law things. You do everything. You ever heard of a woman called Twiggy? That was the beginning of the end. Twiggy was the beginning of the end. Most <laughs> yep. women don't know that. A skinny white woman. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they loved her. They love her. She all be all. She better than toilet paper on a hot day. They live and die to emulate her greatness. Even when they go hunting, they worse than a clan mob when they go hunting for a man. And they'll posse up and they'll string you up in such a manner that you just like the forbidden fruit swinging in the wind. That's what I say to you. But Becky, she didn't flip the script now. Becky didn't learn. She didn't put her Tupac down. And she didn't got her brand new brother she chased now. Got a brand new brother she chased now. She didn't put Tupac down. She stopped drinking thug passion, and she didn't learn that, no, I ain't going to go after the thug. That's what got me stimulated. That's what made me hot in the tail. Now she's going after the cream of the crop, the one you don't want, and now you feel real threat. 
she started getting that thug, and she started getting the cream in the crop. And now you're scared for real. But she didn't, even for Flora Becky didn't woke up. But you haven't evolved yet. You're still using tactics and, 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 and all kinds of stuff. At the end of the day, I tell the brother, you want to fix your problem? Next time you go take and you go in the water closet to defecate, take your Essence magazine in there with you. And you get real comfortable. And you use that epic magazine other than swatting at roaches. And you read them articles. And you study them articles. Clint Eastwood taught me that one. You sit there comfortable. Like married with, with what is it called, love and marriage? Do like he do. Go in there and get real comfortable and read that magazine. And then you'll understand her much, much more and much, much better. The answer is right in your face. But my sister girl, she's she caught in the zone. She's like a fire, she's like a fighter pilot. She got target fixation. She got target fixation so bad that she's running into the back of her enemy. And if you say something, then you got a problem. Stay in your place. Stay in your lane. Okay. And I'm just like any free person, just like any American, I got an opinion. Opinions are just like anuses. Everybody got one. <laughs> so, I'm serious, bro. So you can't say ass. You got to say anus because it's politically correct. When you say, you can't say whole. You got to say garden tool. You understand? So when I speak to him, I speak mm-hmm. in those terms to him. I say that garden tool that's out there supposed to be cleaning weeds, but it's just sitting off in the corner with no purpose, no livelihood. She thinks she take care of herself by getting her public assistance, public housing, and she go to Annie Mae and Mr. Charlie. Treat me back because you won't do what I want you to do. You don't respect me. Why should I respect you when you got more miles than a Michelin tire? For real, though. Would you want something that wore out? <laughs> yeah, they want you to treat it like this, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she all brand new. Like, I, I love how, it, yes, this is true. In our history, this is true. Listen to me what I say. It used to be a time in America where you can go and grab a woman who had four and five kids and still made her a wife. But now these tools today, these garden tools today, you can't turn them into no housewife. You can't turn a garden tool into a housewife. You can't. Because one thing you you don't have, you don't have the ability to erase all the miles on her back, and she don't have the skills to be nobody white. She can't even motivate her sons. If it's true that child support is so important in the American family, and it's primarily in the black American family, then she done had over 90 years. We're at the 90-year mark of the welfare, almost 
No, 30 years. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. I misspoke. 30 years since the Welfare Initiative Act came into play, and they all supported up the Welfare Initiative Act. And she had almost 30 years through control of head of the house to teach her boys how important child support is. And it's almost 2020, and they still don't know how important child support is, and she's been head of the household. So who fault is it? That child support ain't paid. Let's be realistic about it. Who fault really it is? You can't keep blaming it on the man because he ain't in the household. So who fault really it is? If you had control of the household, you have the ear and the love of Annie Mae and Mr. Charlie. Who fault it really is that child support ain't being paid? Personal responsibility is supposed to be the meal of the day but you refuse to consume it. It's always somebody else's fault. You're always the victim, and he always the demon. But he ain't in the household. But you keep spreading up for somebody you say ain't good for you. But it's still my fault after 30 years. Still my fault. And then when I have children with you out of wedlock, you give more power to those who sling and dope and those who sitting up there having children outside your marriage than the man who fight in court to be a father to your child. You ain't got no respect for him, but he's showing you he got respect for his seed for fighting for his child. But you got more respect for the brother who got there and sling dope him and call himself a man wearing tennis shoes and pants hanging off his tail. You give him all the props. You're all up in the movie video. you like Puffy. You're all up in the movie video. So my opinion is you playing games. you playing the victim card because you know it's profitable for you to play the victim card. And then you turn on me when I open my mouth and I stand up and I pull my pants up and I put a belt on and I be a man. You will fight me tooth and nail to keep me away from that child because you know your payday is in that child. It's already been proven that the girls get preferential treatment over the boys, and the boys is just a quick, what do they call it, a quick a quick scheme for riches. Either you're going to try to make him a basketball player or you're going to collect a check when the police shoot him down in the street because you can look. Every one of them, every one of them mothers, who got the million-dollar settlement, they got their million-dollar settlements off their male children, and they moved out to the black community, and the day after they do they interview, they got a brand-new hairdo. That's the first thing they take care of. Instead of making the sacrifice for the next generation, don't have to go through the same thing. And your solution is to get you another baby but not be married to the baby daddy because you know if you're married to the baby daddy, then you have no power over that child. And that's a God's second truth. The only people who are foregoing marriage is the women. And they're doing it on the sly. And they're using you as a scapegoat. And they don't want to be real with themselves. And they don't want to take personal responsibility for their actions and their choices. And if you speak out, you're a demon. You want fourth floor Becky, which you scared of. And the women 
that I had in my life and the women I know, all the women that I let come in my life, I respect. And we'll take your life if you step wrong with them because I respect them. So if I see a woman that and she emanates all the negativity that I have no respect for and somebody abuse her, for real, let's be realistic with each other. Let's keep it 100. Why should I stand in defense of her when I know she will use Mr. Ma- Mr. Charlie's mafiosa to control me? I will walk right by that situation. This one girl, she was in the parking lot, and she had a brand-new weave, and, and she had on her, her her pants that you can look right through and see her crotch, and she got her belly button hanging out, and, and she all fly. She's sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire, and she's surprised that I kept on going. You independent. You free now. You can do what you want. I have no say-so on who you are. So why should I get personally involved in your struggle? You can even see after we had a mean net, a million man march. Instead of supporting our efforts, they go out and they have a million woman march. I'm real, bro. You can look it up. And if I say something about what you do, then I'm a hater. I have a deep desire under cover to get me a white woman. And then they can't understand why old stupid Mr. Coon go out there and get the ugliest white woman in the world. To have children by. You don't get you don't get pretty fourth floor begging. You get the leftovers from Mr. Charlie. Even the ugly one got more power than you. And you spend over sixty six billion dollars a year to prove that you better than her. And she ugly as all they get out of the woods. Fat, bad body, try to emulate who you are. And she's still pulling the cream of the crop. <laughs> Better sweep around your own dough before you try to sweep around mine. For real though, and a real man to stand up to it and go in hearty debate with her. But do your research before you pick a fight with her, because she a chameleon. She's something that you are not a person who know how to evolve in the game of plain deception. And that's where the brother falls short. He ain't smart enough to evolve in the game of deception because she will. And if you go into debate with her, you better be careful because in the middle of the debate, she'll flip the script on you. Even though she's wrong, you'll end up looking like the bad guy because you ain't smart enough to evolve. Don't start no conversation with me because I'll cut you like a brand new knife. Because ain't no winning. Ain't no winning. Okay, because all that you do, you document for me to see, you write it for me to see, you even give me the bullets to put in the gun to take you out. But the brother ain't smart enough because he hasn't evolved to understand how deception really works. You know what I'm saying? You call your friend and he man, he tell you all that you see. All the while, she's trying to get what? Next to me. That's what it say, bro. That's my <laughs> And I'll debate with any well-versed woman, any issue, at any time, on why a brother 
ain't got no respect, don't want you, treat you like crap because you sold yourself to the devil at the crossroads in 97. And you sold yourself away. And then when it was falling apart and you couldn't figure out why you couldn't get no husband, then you went back to the crossroads and you tried to renegotiate the deal with the devil. And the devil gave you the white man. Because in your perspective, the white man is a six-figure man. Listen to what they say. I get, when I go to the doctor, you know what I watch on TV? The View. I love The View. The View is the best education for the black man to understand the issues of the black woman. Mm-hmm. It's a God <laughs> sin. It's a God sin. It goes over most people's heads. Yeah, it goes over his head because they look at it as social entertainment. But it's a lesson to be learned there. See, we don't want to learn. We 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 got a learning disability as brothers. We missed the class that day when they was handing out IEPs and, 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 and psychotropic drugs like ADH. We missed that day at school. You understand? Sister, she is so captured by money and power that she will use psychotropic drugs to control her child and get a check from Would you respect her? But she's the original teacher. You understand? That statement for was women of my generation who were worthy of respect. Just a mere presence when they show. You know how my mama used to come to school when I got myself in trouble? She used to come with her best, finest wig. She cleaner than three Negroes fresh out of jail. That white woman feared her because of the power and control of her household. Just her pure presence. Her walking down the hallway, the echoing of her shoes hitting that floor put fear in boys and girls and white teachers. That doesn't exist anymore. Sister the girl, when she showed up at the school, she looked, she looked brand new. She got pajamas on. She ain't, half time, she ain't got no bra on. The weave ain't even tight. But she didn't spend all her heart on. I mean, I'm tracks all showing and everything. She look and she swear I want her. You know you a man when a woman offer you sex and you say no and you walk away. To tell a woman that you don't especially a black woman, that you don't want no sex from her destroys her. Literally destroys her. Her self-esteem, which is a Annie Mae buzzword, self-esteem. You remember the years of the theory of self-esteem? Destroys her. She cannot handle a brother who refuses to have sex with her. To the point it drives her so crazy and she started having sex with women. Do you research? Just what I say. I tell all my young boys, you want to hurt a woman? Let her get buck naked and refuse to have sex with her. 
you will destroy her. You will destroy everything that she believed and that she was taught. And all you got to do is let her get undressed and be butt naked and let her do her do and say no and walk away. Then you have the power. You have the power. And the ball is put in your court. That's what it says. They can't, they can't handle it. They don't know what to do with it. And that's the God's second truth. And this ain't no theory. I've done it myself. And I ain't talking about no, no ghetto snipe. I'm talking about the creme of the creme. Doctor, lawyer, fireman, engineer, chief. Creme of the creme. I'm trying to say it, bro. Works every time. Work every time. She cannot deal with it. And I'm talking about women who got doctor degrees and master's degrees, who are CEO of, of uh, corporations and have uh, came out with vaccines for cancer. She she can come up with a vaccine for cancer, but she cannot deal with a brother who refuses to have sex with her when she buck naked. It will drive her crazy. She will mentally fall apart. Because that is her number one tool. That is her nuclear device. That is her atom bomb. And she know it. The only thing is the brother don't know it. Because he's been conditioned the minute she drop her draw to jump on it. It's like a knee jerk reaction. I'm serious. All you gotta do is say, No, I'm good. It's cute. Thank you, but no thank you. And she falls apart. She will call you every name but a God, a child, a, a child of God. I'm serious. She will, she will make up every other excuse other than her weakness, her ineffectiveness, her undesirableness, and she will blame everybody except for herself. Right. Well, you married, you can't try that. But <laughs> try it and watch the reaction. And yes. the reaction to be just like I said. In my life, I've I've mm-hmm. noticed that. Not that I was necessarily put in that position where, but I noticed it. Okay, like okay, like me as a bus driver, mm-hmm. I know that I represent something to many of the young uh-huh. ladies that. Um, who's the neighborhoods that I drive through? Okay, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just telling you what it is. The menta- that particular mentality, especially on the lower rung, that let's just say what it is that that hood ghetto mentality. It's there more evident. It's it more real. evident. Yeah, yeah. Now you can get it with the doctors and lawyers, but it shows faster. It's a psychic thing. Mm-hmm. When I pull up to a bus stop. And I look at the 10 or 15 people that are there, I might have that element, that mentality, that young woman who has that where it's all about my body. I've groomed myself. This is my weapon. I'm going to melt you. I don't care who you are. It's been working. Guys have been trying to holler at me all day. Now, Mm -hmm. we know the guys have been trying to holler at me, you know, 
They were the, they were the dope boys. Those were the dudes on the corner. Those are the dudes that have some heavy baggage and situation situationships. A new word that I learned, right? Um, mm-hmm. So now, let's try a guy with a job. And I, I find mm-hmm. it so sad that there are some of us that that's the epitome. Not because they know me or like me or ignore the wedding band on my hand. It's because that hierarchy is, is so low that mm-hmm. it's day-to-day existence. It doesn't mean that anybody of note or of a higher mind can't fall. I'm talking about the people who are down there and love staying down there, love that hood mentality life, love, love to just, well, this weekend, we don't have no money, so I got a whole bunch of bag of potato chips. We got a little fish to fry. We got a little liquor. We're going to stay in the house all day and just have sex and eat bad mm-hmm. food and just mm-hmm. get by the weekend. Just blast ourselves. That's going to have on a baby. Exactly. So now <laughs> when, people come, <laughs> when people come up and line up to pay their fare, they swipe their mm-hmm. card, they put their money in, and they move mm-hmm. on. Oh, but when you have that ghetto-fied individual, that, that young lady, like you said, she doesn't have a bra on, breasts hanging all over the place, leap, threatening to leap out. And I mean, you mm-hmm. see them nipples like, like the sun setting over the horizon. I mean, if it was another millimeter out, it would be illegal to walk around like that. And, and the tight this and, and the weave that's jacked up. She didn't even pat the weave for when she was laying down. It's one straight side across like she was uh, just like a ruler was put there. And she gets on the bus and I keep my mm-hmm. face straight. Or I reach for something to write something out while she and other people are getting on. And you don't acknowledge me. You don't see me. You don't see these big titties that you can have for a price. Mm-hmm. You don't see these mm-hmm. big lips with these with this lipstick on to show you that the only orifice that can give pleasure is not my vagina. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you should melt. Forget the fact that you're this bus driver. If a bus driver is the epitome of what the kind of man that you can pull, I'm not putting myself down. I'm saying what it is because I am more than that. So I don't even identify with that. That's just something I do to pull in a steady paycheck while I'm down here in Orlando, Florida. So I got no problem with that. But if that is the prize for you, and all mm-hmm. you can muster is the, the TNA to get that prize. You put me down, number one, and you putting yourself down. And when they don't get my eyes all over them, like many others do, hey, girl, you looking good, girl. Hey, girl, what's mm-hmm. your name? And they say, yeah, hey. I got them now. And I treat yeah. them with respect. Good evening. How are you? Mm-hmm. You know, um, have a good day. You know, you want to transfer? Mm-hmm. No problem. They're like, wait a second. This man's all business. I'm insulted. They get mad. They will pay their fare, but they'll take their time doing it because they want me to watch them and look over them, and I don't pay them no mind when they come with that spirit. And they'll suck their teeth. They'll even get to the back of the bus or whatever part they sit on and try to find some way of having an altercation or uh, uh, some kind of uh, 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 conflict. To yeah, make you exactly. Down. If I move off, at five miles an hour, take, just take my foot off the brake. And they didn't mm-hmm. sit down yet, which behind the yellow line, they're on their own. They have the things to hold on to. Get, you're trying to make me fall? But but just a few seconds mm-hmm. ago, you were looking at me with them fake electrical tape looking eyelashes put mm-hmm. over your eyes. And they don't even Try- put them on properly. They, they didn't put half on, right? on. 
Yeah. So <laughs> that, that shows you that that mentality is still alive and well today. I'm not saying all my black sisters, but many no, who bro, are in the bro. game. If you want to solve the problem, if you want to solve the problem, stop justifying making excuse for your reaction to an action. Stop justifying your reaction. You're right. You're right. That's a crippling point. I'll give you an example. Let's say that we step out our game. And in stepping up our game, we venture out on new frontiers. We take a leap of faith to a new frontier. And we go to a shopping mall. And we use one of the customs of America, which has been prevalent in our country for over 400 years. And we try an experiment. And this experiment is an experiment which is not going to cost us no money, which is not going to bring us any heartache, but will teach us a valuable lesson which will change everything. And this experiment is so small and so minute, and we take and we we look at it as nothing. And it is a custom that has been part of the American perspective for over 400 years, opening a door for a lady. This is the experiment, opening a door for the woman. If you open the door for a white woman, you know what she says? Thank you, sir. You open a woman, you open a door for a black woman, she won't even say thank you. She won't even acknowledge your existence. Because she looked at opening the door for her as a sign of weakness as a man. The sister girl really feels that. Now, those who come from proper households who have been cultured and who are real women, her first response is, thank you, sir. Have a nice day. The ones who are below the learning curve, she will walk by and she will wiggle her tail to get your attention, but she will disrespect you at the same time. You do the experiment and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. And you will catch hold to every word that I said. And I guarantee this will happen. You do it for a white woman. And she will say, I'm, I don't care what age, she could be nine years old, a white woman child who be nine years old. You open the door for her and she will say, thank you, sir. If she is reared wrong as a female growing up in the black community, she will not say thank you. It will break her in half to say thank you because that is a sign of weakness that you lose your power by showing mutual respect. Because if you give him mutual respect, you lose your power. That's what I say to you. And I challenge you to try. I challenge you to try. Nine out of ten times, that black woman, based upon her grooming, will not say thank you, which is 
one of the oldest customs in American folklore. And this is a proven fact. You are so Let me into Dan. <laughs> I'm serious, bro. See, I remember the day that I went to the movie with my wife. And we went to go see a movie called Pork Chop Hill. You know, I'm an ex-military man. I like movies like that. Most black men like action things. Because as a boy, we, 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 especially my generation, we would have to play with army men and build forts and dirt and all that stuff. Take cap guns and play army men, a whole nine yards. Women, accordingly, by the feminist movement, were taught to reject playing with dolls and playing the role that society had made them for. Not saying that it has to be that way, but that's how it began. <clears throat> and the sister, she couldn't recognize a gentleman if he fell dead in front of her. I'm dead serious. And if you act like a gentleman, and try to give her her due respect, she will see you as a weak man. She look at the brother who disrespects her, who uses her, look at her network by paying her power bill and water bill, because it's, it's got to be a, a even swap and swindle, is what it's called. Even swap and swindle. I need my hair, I need my nails done. I'm independent. I don't need you. But if you don't pay for this, and, um, I, I was looking at a YouTube um, program, and this white guy challenged all men of all races. When you are attracted to a woman and you want to be with her, if you really want her in your life, ask her to go out on a date and tell her that we're going to go Dutch. The real woman, the mythical woman that they say exists, she will still go out on your day, and she will pay her half of the time. The one that ain't worth keeping, she demands that you pay the full bill. And if you don't pay the full bill, you ain't nothing. I'm dead serious. If you, if you want to find a keeper, ask her to go out on a date and say, hey, we're going to go to Dutch Street so I can continue respecting you and not ask you for sex in return for me spending that money. And if she a real woman, you know what she'll do? She will go out with you, and she will pay her part of the task. She'd be willing to go right in her purse and show her network by putting her plastic on the table. And when the waitress come and she say, is this one bill or is this two bill? Because the sister, there ain't nothing. She will sit right there and expect you to say, oh, I got this bill. Now, the real woman, she'll say, oh, this is Dutch treat. Because she's demanding that you respect her. The woman who don't want to respect her, who's selling herself, will sit up there and expect you to pay the bill. Okay, at her leisure, she chooses chivalry. She feels that that is her inherent right because of her gender that she's supposed to pay the bill. 
because that is Becky's custom. And you better follow Becky's lead. If you don't follow Becky's lead, then you ain't no real man. Okay. I'll be your Huckleberry fan. That's what that means. I'll be your Huckleberry fan. I love Westerns because they teach such good messages to men. Right? The white, the white, the white Western teaches us so much as black men. But if you notice that the black American woman will look down on any man who watches white Western. Because in white Western, chivalry is live and well. But in the black expectation film, it is a sign of power and control. That's what I said. If it was if the feminine movement was so powerful, the first thing they would be preaching to these women, pay your own freight. Because people who stand on their own morals and their own capability is worthy of respect. Those who are addicted Codependency are the ones that you stay the hell away from. She is your worstest enemy. The woman who uses chivalry as a tool and a manipulative tool is your worst enemy. She will be your downfall as God is my witness. That's my opinion. And you can try it as an experiment. And you will see everything that I'm saying is true, especially among black women. And that go for the lower class and the upper class. You're speaking the absolute what? truth. Not to cut you, I want you to continue to flow, but I, I'm, I'm sitting here doing flip-flops and somersaults over here. And I just finished telling my wife, I said, because uh, we're over here, you may hear a little noise in the background because I'm in the kitchen, but... She's listening and she's just grinning away, you know, because she Because the brother than Pete gang. Brother than Pete gang. We need, we need men like you to sit down with the young brothers. And see, the thing is, is that a lot of our young brothers, not to put them down, but they're not going to, they're not going to, first of all. put them down. No, yeah. I'm going to correct you. Yeah. And please do not be insulting. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm there not. is no pain without gain. True. You have to go through something to learn something. Yes. And sitting up there petting them ain't going to solve the problem. Mm. Sitting up there justifying your opinion lowers your own self-esteem and puts True. you even farther behind the curve. Be and they won't, a man. They won't it. Mm -hmm. Be a man. I refuse to be apologetic for my opinion. I refuse because the whole idea is to stand on your own morals and beliefs. Being passive or mm -hmm. what they call simping mm -hmm. is a sign of weakness. And you know what a black woman don't want? A weak man. They say it each and every day. So why are we still sitting up there just, it's, two, it's 
in less than four days, it's going to be 2019, and we still are being apologetic for our own opinion. Stop being apologetic for your own opinion. Don't do that. And I refuse to allow any black American man to be apologetic for having an opinion. She got an opinion. Why is her opinion valuable and yours is sign of weakness? Why is that? You can't get no brother tell me why is that. Why is it proper to be apologetic for having an opinion? It makes little to no sense. That's why you get substandard women. That's why you get large divorce. The possibility of a woman getting a husband is lesser than the possibility of a woman having a child out of wedlock. Look at the numbers. The numbers speak for itself. In less than two years, we're getting ready to have another census. And the data will show that we're worse off than the last census of 2010 because we're too willing to be apologetic for using the thing we call a brain. We are at a point where men are getting their eyebrows arched, that they are using eye pencils and getting weeds put in their head. I'm dead serious. Demasculization of the black man is live and well. And it's that form of assimilating to the simp that is the destructive factor within the black male race. Any brother who stands tall as a man is looked upon as a caveman. But the brother who assimilates to simping is the great white hope. I'm never ever going back at any price because I was taught by what? By any means necessary. Be strong and be proud of being strong. Ain't nothing wrong with being strong. It built black America and it will build black America again. Do not feel shame because you're willing to have her locked up. The thing I do not understand, do you know it is a felony in the state of Florida to claim false paternity? But when it is exposed that 10 out of 10 times, the brother will not file criminal charges. 10 out of 10 times, if you don't take care of your child, she will put you on child support whether you did it or not. So what is good for the goose is good for what? Again. Is she equal? Isn't the, isn't the whole game plan is to get a partner that is equal and compliments you? Even in my body, even in my Bible, it tells me, do not deal with women that you're not equally what? Yoked with. Let's be real. Let's keep it 100. 
That's why it is so important to remove the black male out of the mainstream school system and educate him separate from my sister. It is so important. If the black American woman really want her husband back, really want her father back in the household, that is your last alternative. The only alternative to solve that problem which you are bitching about. And I guarantee if you open up the debate, women will fight tooth and nail to stop you from doing it. Because at that junction, she realizes she is losing control that Annie Mae gave her and Mr. Charlie is enforcing. I guarantee you that. So never be apologetic for having an opinion. God gave you that head for other than using it as a hat rack or a crown of plumage. All right? So never be apologetic for your opinion. You, each and every day you go to work, each and every day you leave your house, each and every day you go to the store, each and every day you go get gas, you are being stalked. And you want to know why you're being stalked? Because you carry a mark of value by Mm -hmm. wearing a married ring. Wow. Now, some brothers say, this brother is crazy. I guarantee if she was the all to be all, why is it that the minute they see that ring on your on your finger, they trying to get next to you? Because they know that the woman who shown you your net worth put that symbol on your finger for a reason. That means that you are valuable. And the woman who ain't nothing, she has been conditioned to know that you are a meal ticket. And all she got to do is spread up and catch you dirty, and she got control. That's what I say. But you never looked at it like that, did you? Never did. They stalk you. They <laughs> no, stalk but, you. Yeah. I had They're a friend of the day. In our nightclub. He, he said, he came, he came to me and he said, man, how come it seems like these women out here, if you're single, they don't mess around with you. But when mm-hmm. you've got a ring on your finger, so I know there are guys out there that actually buy cheap wedding rings and put them on their finger so they can yeah, get women. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I did it. It's an old player. It, it, uh, let me put it in a comical manner. You know, they got this player book, right? This invisible book. So we go to page 247, paragraph B, no, section 2, line 4. You want to catch a hoe? Excuse me. Excuse me. You want to catch a garden tool? Put on a fake ring. Go to the pawn shop, buy you a cheap one and go in a nightclub, and I guarantee you'll pull more heifer than you putting a $100 bill on the counter. I can guarantee you this. 
And we really need to run these experiments and film these experiments and expose this thing. Because once the brothers get here, because I tell them in my lectures, in my classes, I tell them, men one-on-one, you want to be a player? These are the trappers of being a player. Like I told you, I don't have a cardboard player card. My, my, my player card is what? Platinum. Clint Eastwood said the best in Porkchop Hill. As his ex-wife left the nightclub and her boss, which she was having an affair with, he decided he wanted to get his groove on. She went to page one, paragraph six. If you want to stop a man from chasing after you and you want to control him, tell him you're on your period. He will go away faster than you can swat fly. He will run away from you and go look for the next one to hit. I said, all she got to do is like, oh, oh, I got cramps. He go, okay, baby. And he start right there. She shut him down. Clint Eastwood sitting in the car, in the truck, single bitch, <laughs> right? Ex-wife come over to the car and she said, oh, she looks into the window, driver's side window, and she sees cosmopolitan, red door, women week, weekly. And the first response she gets, you back to your old game again. And Clint Eastwood in a raspy voice, he says, Yeah, it is true. But to defeat your enemy, you must read what your enemy reads. You must consume what your enemy consumes. You must consume and learn how to eat that single bag of rice and live three days. And you can outwit and outlast your enemy. Now, to the normal man, not thinking outside the box, it sounds like a stupid proposition. But if you really take your time and think about it, you know everything about her. That's why I tell the Brothers Read Essence Magazine, don't be afraid. I'll be right there on my train going to work, sitting there with my Essence Magazine, and I guarantee the good woman she will run over to me because she knows that I'm a special breed. Read what they read. Watch the view. Okay? Leave BET alone. Put it out of your life. Call the cable company and say, I don't want it on my TV. Because it's it's a trap. It's a program trap. I remember when BET had substance. For real, bruh. Bobby Brown had his gold braids on and his shade. With his alternative sexual lifestyle, the whole nine yards. Okay, all he was doing is emulating the choir director. <laughs> I'm sorry, he was the only emulating the choir director. If you do the history about Bobby Jones, he started as a choir director. Mm-hmm. Most of the scandals that are coming out of the church start with who? The preacher and the choir director. You can do your research. Do research, and you're going to say, that brother's spot on. We need to string him up. He, he poised an immediate threat to our game. Like you said, your wife's listening to this, and she's saying, oh, that brother, I think he know a little bit too much. <laughs> I think he figured <laughs> out the key. Well, you know what? Um, she's in agreement with you because it's not like, you know, she has anything to hide because – 
she she passed all the tests with me and and um it wasn't a test it's just observation but it is a test in essence but um many young men don't know this we need you no because the father like is missing from the household exactly exactly and as long so, as he misses from the household you get to infect the next generation of male so how you flip the script all right so you're going to remove me so i remove your training ground and i put him on another field and we teach him the game of inches and feet and once he learned how to move the ball forward he become a poison with threat. I remember the 1969 Super Bowl. Greatest Super Bowl I ever watched on a black and white TV before daddy spent that money for that big old floor model TV that everybody hated to move and the antenna was a pain in the ass. You remember it? And it was only one TV in the household. And you, and you, you was rich when you had that second TV in that bedroom. Uh-huh. I grew up. <laughs> Okay. Thank God it went off at midnight. <laughs> this is why. This is why in the crackhead era, I hate to say it that way, the crack era, um, my way of getting back. I, I I grew up middle class or upper middle class, you know, somewhere in between there, and um, I always had what I needed and a few things that I wanted as a child. Um, mm-hmm. but I remember that, and it's always amazing to me that one of my observations is that. Whatever era that we grew up in where our psyche as young men were developing, we mm-hmm. try to get back at that time. So, for example, yes. you'll find a guy who was a young man, teenager, adolescence in the early 70s. We had the gas crisis and Cadillacs were out there and they got cheap. You know, everybody had a Cadillac, but, they, they you know, the gas made it, it was hard to keep them. But right before that. Everybody had a Cadillac or a Lincoln. You open up the door. With a high-top Converse. Right, right, right. You open up the door, and it blocks the whole street. You know? So yeah. when they get older, even though now we have the Japanese cars in that were getting a little more luxurious, and you have these German vehicles and all these other countries flooding in, because before it wasn't like that, that, that man now, looking back at his younger years, what does he want to get? A Cadillac. Because mm-hmm. he feels that, wow, I finally have what I wanted, but the world doesn't view it that way as much, even though for some, those are nice cars. For me, mm-hmm. not the only thing, but I noticed within myself that when the crack era came in and we had adequate TVs in the house, I mean, before it became the mm-hmm. idiot box, we had one in the living room and a tiny one in my room, but I wanted abundance. So when it came time, you're driving down the street and you see a TV and some dude walking with it. Hey, man, what's up with that? Hey, man, give me $30. <laughs> give me $25. Mm-hmm. So I made sure to get me, back at the time. Come over here and look in the trunk of my car. Right. I had a TV at one point in every single room in the house, including the bathroom that I could sit down on the mighty throne with the remote in one hand and the toilet mm-hmm. paper in the other. I, I, it, but it was foolish because I was getting back at that prior era, and I find that most of us, we will tell you what it is that we lack now the tv was no big thing in my house when i was a reader but that that luxury where you say or you thought was luxury i was getting back at that so now when you see men doing things and it's like why is he doing that well he's getting back at what he thought that he lacked back in the day even if he realizes it or not what's your thoughts you on that? you want to know why we do that <laughs> because we we replace james evans 
with Mr. Huxtable. Okay. Wow. Believe it or not, Florence was more woman than Claire. She was. Florence was more woman than Claire. No doubt. When Claire came in the scene, she emulated control and power and fit. Even though James didn't have a job all the time and they lived up in the projects on the 17th floor, James ran that house. I will always remember. Here the line, and this is the one you're going to remember. Damn, damn, damn. That was the end of James. She took the punch bowl, slammed it on the ground, and she said, damn, damn, damn. That was the death of James. When James died, he didn't die in some heifer bedroom. James didn't die in an abandoned household. James didn't get shot in the back. James died coming home from Mississippi because he got him a job that got them out the ghetto. I don't know if you remember that. Remember it loud and clear. You feeling me now? Just like yeah. the old commercial. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Hello, hello. Can you hear me now? Remember that commercial? <laughs> yep. How about Brex? Uh, and on, and on, and on. Okay? And the little white lady that came into Burger King, and she said, what? Where's the beef? But <laughs> Ronnie L. Ripper couldn't wrap his hand around the burger. The Whopper, you can put, you can wrap your little finger around the Whopper today. <laughs> back in the day, you couldn't even get both hands around the Whopper. Well, you remember the, the day, song from back in the day? It. it takes two hands to handle a Whopper, the two-fisted burger from Burger King. You got to go back to remember that. Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. How about this one? Do all beef patties, pepper sauce, cheese, I'm done touching you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I got to say it again. To all beef patties, sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun, you deserve a break today at McDonald's. Today. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Remember it like it's yesterday. Just like it was yesterday because it had meaning and it had substance behind it. Okay? How about this one? It is the hottest groove and the smoothest groove. No, I said it wrong. I love Don Carnegie. So train. Exactly. People all over the world. <laughs> yes, sir. Yo, that sir. arrested you in the morning, the late morning. You had chores to do. You had things you were doing, but the TVs had soul train on and it set the tone for the day. Exactly. You could go outside your house and be not one child outside because you knew where everybody was. And if you missed that week, Soul Train, you were the dumbest one come Monday morning. You know who I fell so in love right. with? Let me tell you. And it was one of the smartest moves that Motown ever made. And people don't even know this story. And it was the smartest move he made him the Smartest man in black America. He fooled black America to believe that a white girl, an Italian girl, 
was black. And how did he do it? By not putting her face on her first album cover, and that was Tina Marie. Motown did that. And people didn't understand why. He knew if he put her face on the cover right off the top to try to market her, that that album would not move. That's so but right. Smart enough to keep, keep her face off that album and let the music speak for itself. I'm dead serious. The people don't understand why things are done and how these small little things out so insignificant. Like if I wanted to tell a brother to make a million dollars for the future, you know what I would tell him to do? I would tell him to go in every thrift store, every garage sale, and get as much R&B music in CD form, original copies, not, 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 not remixed, not the original CD. It's the new vinyl in less than five years. They will be so valuable that he will be a multi-millionaire. I got over 4,000 original CDs in, in, in taste. And if you're not collecting them, you're a damn fool. I have an original copy, original copy of Nanny Ripperton, the founder of the breast cancer movement. And most black people don't know that. Most people do not know that. I have an original copy of that Bible. It is worth right now $1,500. I have an original copy of a place that don't exist, and both of the artists are dead. And it is Bobby Blue Bland and B.B. King at the Union Hall in New Orleans. And that place does not exist anymore, and both of those individuals are dead. And only three of the original musicians on that vinyl album are alive today. You want to make some money? Get any music that has Matt, um, his name, the name of the two individuals, was, ooh, God, I can't pronounce it right now. Uh, what is the name of these two brothers? And they changed the focus of R&B music. Whitehead and... Oh, McFadden and Whitehead. Yes. I I, I didn't jump in and say that. I kind of knew you were going there, but but you're right. McFadden and Whitehead. Um, Ain't no stopping us now. Um, Heard it in the love song. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were so instrumental with other artists behind the scene that that Mm -hmm. they... You know, produce music and they put other people's face out there who, who sung the songs, but they were a driving force. I believe they were from Philadelphia, if I'm correct. Yes, they were part of the Philadelphia Men Experiment. Yes. yes. Um, name two modern composers who were entertainers and composers at the same time. And it's a difference between an entertainer and a composer. An entertainer hires musicians and writers. A composer can play every instrument and write. Name two. I'd like to say 
Peace Bryson. Mm-hmm. How and about how about Ashford and Simpson? Or were they on that level? Because but yeah. instrument playing. Okay. See, you know I know a little something for you to bring them up. Because most people mm-hmm. say who or huh? Mm-hmm. You know, people don't because, know how they changed us. Right. They were the epitome of a marriage couple who worked together and made it together. And before he died and before she died, she would tell you that it broke her heart to lose her husband. Everybody thought he was gay. They swore up and down he was gay. But he was as faithful as you can get. You couldn't get you couldn't get that man to cheat on that woman. You couldn't get. And they set the tone for togetherness and working together. And they never had scandals. They was never in the spotlight. But if you look at old videos of them, when they performed together, they never took their eyes off of each other. Never. Isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. Isn't that wonderful that today, if they were, because he passed on, I think she's still alive, if I'm correct. I'm not sure now. Yeah. But she's almost 80 now. Right. They would not have a slot for her because of this decadent stuff that they're putting out there with these subliminal messages. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. it's not organic today like it was before. Now, they had. Mm-hmm written and, and, and composed and did so much for all that they've done. And when he passed away many years ago, I did a video on that. I came in from work and I just flipped up my little my little camera, little little small camera, little cheap camera that I had, and I just talked from the heart. And mm-hmm. black love, you they don't make that it like real. that. It, it was real across the board. And yes, many people would rumor and say, oh, I, I think he's gay. But no, he's a man, and he had his queen, and they were comfortable with mm-hmm. each other. He didn't have to prove anything mm-hmm. to anybody, but he, he was all man. I never thought that because I understood because I was raised up with the parents who had that same kind of love. But and you can recognize it, that love. Right. I have to share not a whole story, but when I made that video, there was a young man from Georgia who called me up who had the opportunity and, and blessing of meeting uh, Nick Ashford just in passing. He said it was by Central Park. I met and, him once. Yeah, and, and he, he said that he met him. They just started talking. He walked along mm-hmm. with him for a while and he said, hey. They, very, they were very accessible. Yeah. They were very accessible, more accessible than any entertainer today. They right. make JC and Beyonce look like a joke. Exactly. Now, he, let me tell you something. He walked with him for a couple blocks and he said, this is what Nick Ashford said to him. I'm getting ready to, you know, go to the restaurant. I think it was some kind of uh, informal meeting or something. He says, come on, come on with me. Yeah. And sit down with me. Hang and out. He, he paid for his, 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 his meal. And he said, didn't he would not blink an eye. didn't even blink an eye. And to me, that's the way you have to be. You see this mm-hmm. modern day social media I want to construct mm-hmm. the false image kind of thing. I'm old school. I'm sorry. I can't get with that. Now, why you can't let everybody into your inner circle, your inner inner circuit to check them out. 
But what's wrong mm -hmm. with a kind word or taking a little time and showing that you're a real person? There's so and look them more than anybody else at that okay, time. I got a good, I got a good one for you. Yeah, they, they, they could have put that. I got, I got a better one for you. Go ahead, brother. You want to know what the jokest wedding in the world was? The biggest joke and the biggest embarrassment in Black American history. Tell me. Gucci man and his wife wedding. It was a joke. <laughs> a spectacle. And anybody that took that serious is a damn fool. And I would tell them in their face and I would throw my hands up because the ignorance in them will come out. They swear it was real. For it, those who don't know, joke. explain the details for those who don't know. Okay. Um, Gucci man, and I, I can't remember his wife's name, and that's how insignificant in history she is. And he is even more of a joke. All right. They had a 2.8 million wedding, which they did live. And the whole entourage was a joke. They couldn't put two sentences together if somebody else wrote it for them. It was a joke. I mean, I, I, and why I feel it was a joke, I was um, seeing a young lady at the time trying to get her business established. I gave my own time at it because as an activist, I'm a different type of activist. I, I'm, I'm a strategist activist. Like, I'm a go-to type of guy. If you got a dream and you're trying to look for a path to go through, I give you things to start with to build to make your dream possible. That's the kind of activist I am. If you say, well, D, how should I do this? I would do the research and come up with a game plan and say, explore this, research this, try to implement this into your plan. <clears throat> so I'm, 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 I'm seeing this chick, right? And she worth saving, but she got the ghetto mentality. But she worth saving, right? She don't know that she wifey material. That means that she's a woman that you can respect and you can desire all at the same time. And very few women have that quality. To have that quality make you way above the curve. That means that you have the ability for a brother to beg for your head to marry her. So I'm seeing this chick, right? She's riding me over the house. Oh, we having a party because we're going to watch Gucci Man and his wife's wedding. Right, so she invited me. Well, I ain't into that, right? I'm into her. I'm into working. So I'm sitting on the couch with her. She got popcorn. She got all these people in the house and all this stuff. I mean, they made it a party. Like it was like the second coming of Christ. And uh, I'm sitting there working. Got my laptop and got my paperwork. And I'm doing research. Got the phone working. Got the laptop working. I'm, I'm, I'm multitasking like it's going crazy. Right? And she's supposed to be working on her future, but she wrapped up into this idiot box in this. She got this almost two grand flat screen TV. She ain't got no other furniture in her house, but she got this two grand flat. I'm going like, sister girl, please. Right? I'm going to have to break you with this one. Right? So she's going on and on and on. And she gets mad. You're embarrassing me. Yeah, beg your pardon? I just got my hot wings. I'm I'm comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Just got my hot wings. No, no, none of that. I'm I'm, I'm good, right? Now a real woman should be satisfied with me working, right? Right? But she mad 
because I'm not oogling and goggling over this crap. Right? And they making this brother like he a superstar and all like this, right? So she gave me all this grief and all this madness. And so I put it away, you know, to compromise and, you know, play the role. Right? And I'm watching this shit. I'm sorry, this defecation. Watch <laughs> this defecation. Right? And it just hurt me. And I looked her and she looking good. She looking like brand new money. I mean, she got her hair wrapped up, rollers, all this stuff, and she is looking good. She got the raggedy clothes on. She got on her, her good panties, the ones with the holes in it, you know, the whitey tighty. <laughs> I mean, she's looking good. I mean, it's hard for a black woman to pull that off and still look good, right? And any man that's married know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you can find one who can pull that off in her ugliness, her plainness, her real self, and you find your sister who can pull that off and you still find her attractive, you got yourself a winner. I mean, you can go to test time. You can go to the dough with her, right? And, I mean, that's hard for some sisters to pull off because when, when, when all the trappings come off, I mean, you'd be like having second thoughts. I'd like to get myself caught up in this situation. But it's hard for some sisters to pull that off. Some sisters are very good at it, but others, they, they just can't do it. Like the new stomach is the new breast. <laughs> you know, it's hanging all over. It's dragging the flow and everything. You got to get code enforcement to come in there and share it up. I mean, it's ugly. Right. And I'm watching this, and I'm looking at her. And she pulling it off. And she said, what you looking at? I said, baby, girl, you sure looking good. I mean, you got me spinning around in circles and I can't stop the ride. I mean, I mean, it's just wonderful. And she said, you need to be watching this. I said, no, I'm watching what is making me feel joy. Y'all the one lost up in the fantasy. And she said, you, 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 you just don't want to come to the real world. You just don't want to live in the future. You know what I'm saying? This is the future. Is this the future, sweetheart? I'm an old man. I mean, she, uh, the difference in age group is kind of disgusting in a, in, in a way, and, but it's just how it is. Right? And I got 40 years on her, but she got, she, she got potential. She just don't know it. It just have to be brought out in it. And she want to be that role, and she want that, that, but she just don't know how to get to that level. But I see it in her, right? And he come out with this, with this $440,000 rock, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I need that 40000 rock. And when I get my husband, he going to buy me that. And I say, yeah, he is. But don't you want a house? No, I need that ring first. And I say, don't you think you need to reevaluate your priorities? No, because if he can't give me that, he ain't worth having. And they all of a sudden go, stop, fantasy stop, boom, I'm done. Right? So, you know, in the midst of the whole show, I'm packing up my goods, I'm getting ready to leave. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home to work. She said, you just don't know how to have fun. I said, really? This is fun. Yeah, this is really fun. 
and she despised me. You know, less than two days later, me and her was done. The mold was broken. She could bring it. She breaking the phone. The phone blowing up. I mean, me just blow it. Why you ain't return my phone call? Why you don't want to spend no time? You got another woman. This, that, that. And I said, look, 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 look hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. When I started with you, I told you I was 100% man. Ain't nothing generic about it. Okay, I'm 100% man. But just that little experience, that little time that we had that one experience together, just ruined the whole relationship. Because I'm 100% man, and I don't think I'm the right brother for you. And there's no need to continue the fantasy up behind getting some tail. Because at that junction, it became all about getting a tail. It wasn't about building no future together. Just that one experience told me that she was not the right one. It wasn't no me looking at another woman or having second thoughts about the relationship. Just that experience and how she felt about that wedding and the future life and everything told me everything I need to know what the future was going to be like with her. And the reason I say that is that it's the epidemic that is destroying our women, destroying the sanctity of marriage. But they, <clears throat> today's woman think marriage is a fantasy, a financial coming up, a tax break. You know what I'm saying? And whenever she gets tired of the fantasy, she go for broke and she cleaned me out and that's supposed to fulfill the time she took in the marriage. You know? Uh, Melanie Griffin and Banderas is his last name. Just um, finished their uh, divorce. Now, for years, she was a mega female star. Mega I mean, she making money hand over foot. She and everything's moving, everything moving. She she got it all. He got it all. But when they get a divorce, they say that he owe her a lifestyle that they both finance. That he owe her seventy seven thousand dollars a month. Oh my God. No. Yeah, you can look it up. I'd be happy if I made seventy-seven thousand a year right about now. <laughs> right, but this, but this, this is this pretty Hispanic boy has got to kick this out for a woman who's making more money than him, just because of her gender. Right. Then the next story to come on is the view, and they're talking about that. And they say she deserved the money. But then they talk about Jill Scott and her secret relationship and marriage and that she got to pay him alimony. And it's wrong. And it's degrading. And he don't deserve it. Because she had to pay him $50,000 a month. Less than what Melanie Griffin got. But it was wrong for him to get the money, but it was proper for her to get the money. And it was all based on what? 
legitimate. And it shows how women are hypocrites when it comes to fem- uh, what they call feminism and equality. It's right for her, but wrong for him. And I can't understand. And I'm struggling to understand. I thought the whole idea is for everybody to be equal and for us to break that plane. But it's wrong for him to get alimony, but it's the right thing. We ain't talking about no child support. And even child support is ignorant crap. Because we know that half a million dollars a month that she getting ain't going to... It's not for that child. It's not for that child. And if you're a damn fool to believe that's for that child, then you didn't drunk the fool late. Even the child support orders that are going out today is wrong. Why do you think women don't achieve? Because they keep valuing their net worth based upon their gender. And when they are treated equal, it becomes wrong. So in actuality, you're saying that I'm not equal, but, you know, in certain circumstances, I should be treated this way because I'm frail. But any other time, I'm equal. I put my chest out strong like you put your chest out. But in this circumstance, I'm the frail one. It does not take that kind of money a month to raise no child, especially when you're making your own money. But it's not in the best interest for the child to be with him. He makes enough money that if he makes that kind of money to pay you to be the mother of that child, I can take that money and raise that child my dad. Others don't know that nurturing is a myth. It's already been defunct. A child can be productive without that woman. She hold on to that. She holds on to that. That one thing, she's not equal. She's the expert. You ever look at motherhood today? They're not the same quality of women of 1930, 2015, and as we go to 2020, they still holding on to that position. Know that they are not as qualified of those women of those periods. They 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 can't even hold that woman jockstrap. And listen to the word I use, jockstrap. Most brothers won't catch that. They'll just let it slide right along. Mm-hmm. Got strapped. Something is inherently wrong. Something is going wrong. Somebody is not seeing what is going on. That it's all a lie. It's all an illusion. And you have drunken the food aid. I would tell any brother who finds themselves in child support court, bypass the child. If she files for child support, automatically file for custody. Without hesitation. Without hesitation and go in the court and scream equality. 
I would advise them that. If you can kick out any great son for her to be at home and act like she playing mama, you listen to the word, act and play. Those are the two buzzwords, act and play, because that's what it is. You very seldom. Half of the children who are going into daycare cannot even know their ABCs nor recognize their colors. That's why they started early learning development. Because the system know you are ill-equipped to be a mother. The modern woman today is ill-equipped to be a mother. There are more men today who are more equipped to be a parent than the modern woman today. At this junction, the modern woman today is nothing but a surrogate. She is a surrogate. She is what I classify as rent a womb. That's what you're marrying today, rent a womb. And in less than five years, you won't wow. even need her no more because they got robots that can <laughs> replace the woman. <laughs> and the woman don't even, she ain't even paying attention that they are creating a robot to replace you because you are out of control. You're ill-equipped to raise the children. You're ill-equipped to be wise. And if she try to fool you to think that she's going to be a good mother to your child, you need to get a 12-step program so you can get off the fool aid. Do you understand? Do you understand less than two and a half years ago, they created an artificial womb? They have created an artificial womb. That means in less than a decade, we won't even need you to have our children. Shaquille, Shaquille said it best. You just a sperm donor. And she's going to be just a renter womb. Somewhere that I can park my testicle so I can get what I want. And listen to the buzzword. Part your testicle. Make a deposit like you are Wells Fargo and Chase Bank. Somewhere to park your sperm. We did an experiment, and I'm good. I love experiments. So we went playing with the Internet, and we put a survey out there. And we used the law. And women with the ignorant woman went for it, hook, line, and singer. We were sitting in here laughing. Me and my staff were sitting in here laughing at the response that we got. Did you know today a man can go and patent his sperm? <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. We, we did an experiment. I had a, one of my interns. And I challenged their intelligence as part of my training program. And the experiment is to teach these men how to think outside the box. And I challenged them. Put $50 on the table, put it in the, put it in the frame, put it on the wall, 
and put a sign underneath. Whoever come up with the answer to this experiment get to come in my house, take the take that off the wall, and you keep the fifty dollars. And I wouldn't advise you to spend it, but use it as a trophy to your intelligence. Just like most foreign merchants, if you go in their stores and you look very carefully in your surroundings, you will notice that they have a first dollar bill. Right there for you to see the first dollar bill they made when they opened up their store. Exactly. I remember. Yeah. They don't do it anymore. No. Because when they come in there and they rob you, they take that too. <laughs> so you might have to keep it at home. And I and when we meet one day, I'm going to have to show you the uh, data and, and the responses that we got. And it was a good experiment for, for the young men that I'm training. And I, I, I was very proud of the idea. And, and it's a worthwhile experiment. And these things come out of taking our young men and separating them from women. And how creative and how revolutionary they become when you remove the TNA that clouds the issues about the DNA. I got uh, almost arrested one time at one of my lectures for pushing the issue of removing a mother. She tried to forcefully, well, my child is not going to be in your lecture if I can't stand there and see what you guys are talking about. If you go to a woman retreat and a woman conference and you try to bogart your way in, your ass is going to jail. And she was outraged that I had her arrested. And the other women, were, they were mad. Ooh, they were mad at me. Why are you having her arrested? I said, what, good for the goose? Good for the game. Black women today hate when you try to make them equal. But at every turn, you will see, even in their victim role, that they want you to treat them as equal and respect them. But the minute you do it, you are a foul creature. Check the data. Do the experiments that I suggested. And see, won't these experiments that will show the truth in all the things that we've been speaking about for this almost almost two hours. They hate when you treat them as an equal, but the talking point is I'm your equal. But the minute you treat them as an equal, you are a foul creature. So that means everything that they say to you and everything that come out of their mouth that has any ties with feminism, it's a lie. It's a lot. The court, even though they pass Supreme Court legislations and enactment and case law, it's all a lie. It's a lie. And I challenge any woman, go get your finest and educated women, and I challenge them. And if you go to a top feminist educated woman and you demand a debate, they will viciously refuse to debate the issue. You can go do it, and they will refuse to debate the issue. They are afraid. They are horrified 
that some brother might wake up one day and demand to put it in a forum to debate the issue. Especially black women. Becky, she'll go in there and she'll debate the issue. So my sister girl, Juanita, Juanita won't touch it. She'll chase you down. She'll string you up. Because then, if another brother catch hold to that debate, the fantasy is busted. The illusion is gone. The talking point is squashed quickly and fastly. Trust when I say. Because I do it all the time to try to get my future advocacy because it's, it's turning from racism to gender bias. It's evolving in the next two years. That's going to be the cure the key issue on the mark. It's already showing its ugly head. We're just not paying attention. And when I caught hold to it, because I was ignorant, and I think I'm a pretty smart guy, a pretty smart guy. Like the family man said, I'm a pretty smart guy. (laughs) And I love family man. (laughs) It may be insulting to a lot of people. (laughs) <laughs> but it's a lesson to be learned in it. Let me just say, yeah. let me just say it really quick. Um, oh man, I got to make a run. I hate to end. Um, in closing, I, I must be realistic about it and, and the truth hurts. Uh, but it, that which does not kill us, sentence us. And always keep in mind that there is no shame in being a black American. A black American took us to a point where we were growing. And now that we have taken of the food aid of Afro-Americanism and keeping always in mind that color is but just color, but ideology is what's fueling the dialogue of today. Never be ashamed to fight in the willingness to not go backwards. It is a badge of courage. It is a badge of something to be proud of. You are the future of America, and if you want to heal the wounds of the black community, think outside the box. Because the box is what is used to keep you in case, keep you in prison. Escape from the prison. It's a brand new world out there. And your opinions do count. Stand strong. Stand strong. And to my sisters, stay sweet. Stay petite. Keep your distance out the street. Love you. Bye. Make sure to check out The Boldest blog at landscurve.com and follow Scurve on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube under Lance Scurve.